Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold, at Brett Redacted on Twitter. And uh, usual co-host, uh, LA-based Joe Avella, is nowhere to be found this week. Uh, unlike him, I will not make up an excuse for why he's not here. I, he did tell me, but I forgot. <laughs> um, he, every time I go out of town, he says, Brett is out of town for butt surgery or something very uh, adult and funny like that. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to forgo it because I didn't think of one. So uh, our special guest host, returning guest, <laughs> filmmaker, Twitter phenom, RogerEbert.com contributor, Scout Tafoya is here. Hello. How's it going? Oh, my God. You just made me realize that today is the officially it's the fifth anniversary of me working at RogerEbert.com. Oh my God! Congratulations! Thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day to me! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, uh, to Chaz Ebert, I guess. Yes, Happy Mother's Day, <laughs> Chaz. That's true, though. That's legitimate. I You're do. all her children. I do genuinely wish Chaz Ebert a Happy Mother's Day. She's a terrific person, and uh, I actually just I between uh, the last time I was here, I mean, obviously a million things happened, like you know, Paul Manafort went to prison or whatever. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's been a long time. But uh, no, but I went to Ebert Fest. Um, oh my God! In my college town. That's right. Uh, Champagne Urbana. Champagne Urbana. Where did you stay? I have so many questions. I stayed at the Hyatt. The okay. Hyatt place. Like near the theater, near the downtown right. that's Champagne exactly right. area. Yes, that's right. Did you go to the art theater? I did. I used to project there. Oh my god, I loved it. No, we um, there was a, there was a screening of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Hell yeah. Um, I went at like midnight with Carrie Rickey, um, legendary critic, one of my favorite people. Oh yeah. Um, one of my one of my adopted surrogate critic moms. So many Happy Mother's Day shout outs uh, to go happy through. Happy Mother's Day, <laughs> Carrie Rickey. Two <laughs> wonderful children that I will probably never meet because. <laughs> Like they've got lives. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Every Why time, would you? I think every time I'm in town, they're not in town, which mm-hmm. is you know probably on purpose. But I get it. Anyway, I love you very much, Carrie. You're the best. I miss you. So this was your first Ebert Fest. My first Ebert Fest, a total delight. Isn't it awesome? So I went every year in college. I went for four years. I actually, the, one of the first years I went, fan, I worked for Fandor. Oh, good. To help, like, I like basically was like, what do you call it? Like a flyer boy yeah, for yeah, Fandor. Yeah. Flyer boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that was me. Oh, my God. I was the flyer boy. Give me a flyer boy. Yeah, I got in. I, I, I don't remember why I did it. I want to say it's because like, you just get in for free that way. Right, exactly. So I probably yeah, did that. Yeah, and then absolutely. I got in for free because of the College of Media at some point. Anyway, Ebert Fest is an interesting film festival because it's not a film festival where new movies premiere. It no. is a festival. I think the premise is it's Roger Ebert's Overlooked Film Festival is what it used to be That's called. That's what it was when he was still with us. And yes. then they, they turned it more into a, like rather, a celebration. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. If you get rid of the word overlooked, I think it, there's less of an agenda. And it's more just about appreciating movies that are being shown. Um, uh, these, you know, this year they, they and, and in, in other recent years, I think what they're trying to do is find movies that people who are, you know, sort of higher up at the site like to... Uh, very much when they came out. So this year they showed Columbus, which I'm... Oh, I really liked Columbus. There you go. So they had that. They had Coconata there to talk about that. They had a movie that Roger loved from uh, the early 90s called Rambling Rose, I want to say. That is a Grateful Dead reference, or <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> Don't know which. It's a Laura Dern movie, a very odd one, I got to say. I was very flummoxed by it. Okay. Um, That's you know. always fun. Yeah, it was. It was fun. Um, I want to say the last year I went to Ebert Fest... Um, First of all, Days of Heaven. Uh, 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 Haskell Wexler Wexler was there pre 
pre-death. Pre-death. <laughs> oh, what a coup to get him before he died. They didn't uh, His like corpse bring a corpse makes up. makes no. many appearances now. Oh, it's God. Just, the magic isn't there the way that it used to be when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, we saw that was amazing. Well, First of all, that theater is amazing. Well, the, Virginia theater, theater. the Virginia Theater is amazing. The art theater is amazing. I, I was so, I like, I love... Having grown up in a in a weird small town, a kind of hostile small town with sure. like delusions of grandeur, I like going to other small towns where everybody seems to sort of be on the same page. Like I went to a um one of the like uh, breweries there. They have like a brewery that um yes uh, they make all the beer in house. The name is escaping me. I think it's the Blind Pig. Yes, Blind Pig is awesome. So I went to Blind Pig uh, on my first day there. It was just a day of of just rampant nonstop drinking. I, yes. I like I got drunk on the plane because I hate flying baby. absolutely. And then as soon as I got off the plane, I had the guy at the Hyatt make me a Bloody Mary. It took him ten minutes, but it was very good, worth <laughs> it. And then I was wandering around after the first panel and went to the Blind Pig and I had two beers and then I had like like a scotch at the diner. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a woman at the diner. Mary Ann's. Yeah, of course. And there was a woman there who's just like, I was taking advantage of a special. They had like a four dollar whiskey. I was mm-hmm. like, I'll have that, please. And yeah. she said, That's not the best one you can get here. I was like, I'm at a diner. I, I want came the four dollar one. <laughs> I came here for onion rings, and you're giving me whiskey recommendations. Like I'm not mad about it, but it is very interesting. Champagne Urbana is a very strange place. It is, and especially that part of town. That's where I like spent my last couple years there because I was working at the art theater and mm-hmm. I was there all the time. Imagine if you will. I've probably talked about this on the podcast. Dig if you will a picture. <laughs> so I got that job projecting at the art theater. Basically, they were transitioning from 35 in, to in digital. digital. So I had experience in both. So the idea was they were eventually going to put a 35 platter back up there. Mm-hmm. But logistically, there's no fucking way that was, that's ever going to happen. Uh, but the job was cool. Uh, the best part about that theater is, you know, it's a one screen. So, like, it was only open after five on weeknights and right. shit like that and then all day on and then yeah and so blah, like blah, blah, blah. right and then like often on the weeknights w- the seven or eight o'clock would be the last one and then it was closed and i would go home but i was the manager so i had the keys Ooh. and uh the, the cool like a date night for me in college at that point would be to like take a girl to dinner and then be like you want to go watch a movie at the oh, art theater and like how cool threat. was that that's amazing <laughs> I, i've said on the pod before but like i've considered like I could live a very cool life in Champaign-Urbana yeah, if I just yeah, stayed yeah. here. There's an apartment above the theater. I like, saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I think it was for rent when we were there. I'm sure it was. Live it's, above the theater. You it could. Said. It would be uh, a fraction of what I'm paying for this room. Probably for yeah. the whole fucking place. As lovely a room as it is, yeah. I am a fan of this room. It's a cool been room. Here twice now. Uh, uh, no, but it's interesting. And also, what, what's the what's the name of the the, the Distile Micro? Distill. Distill. With like D D I S. T I H L or something. T I H L. That's right. I guess yeah. the style they would have to spell it with a J. Yeah. Like the art. Like movement. like the the white, like the white stripes, stripes album. <laughs> the distill. The distill was great if pretentious, but man, very pretentious but good. Man, they had a bond me that I could eat every day. Oh, for yeah. the rest of my life. There's also it might not be there anymore. There was a Thai restaurant on the corner of, by the art theater. It's called Nataya Thai. No, that's still there. Okay. I think I was. At, I said that because it's such a front for some sort of drug, <laughs> comp, like some sort of like mob scene. There's not a single person ever in there, but they also have the best fried rice I've ever had in my life. Win-win. So if you're ever back, uh, I'll, I'll highly recommend. Yeah, that. I was trying to hit every place in town as far as I could, but you know, it's it's. I didn't know you're. I didn't know you went there. It's so interesting. All, all I, I do is talk I about no champagne idea. Urbana. Literally, like I. Yeah. It was very, very last minute. Chaz Zebert was like, oh, I'm so sorry you're not coming. I was like, I didn't know that was an option. Like, what do you mean? I'm allowed to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they, like, they like sprang into action. I'm assuming you didn't have to there. pay for a pass then. Uh, no, no. They got me out there. It was amazing. I never felt so taken care of in mm. my life. The Ebert... The Ebert people were were just, just just they took great care of me. I loved every second I was there. It was uh, awesome. I'm pretty sure the last 
The wo- the weirdest selection of the year I was there was the movie Me and Orson Welles, sure. which I had never seen, and I, I was like, "That's like, actually delightful." I like that movie a lot. <laughs> I, had a good I, time. I remember. Here's yeah. a fun story. The, the 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 one and only time I've seen Me and Orson Welles, not a slight. The movie's delightful. I went Linklater, isn't it? That's right, Richard Linklater. Yeah. Um, uh, proving once again that he's a national treasure. He can do fucking anything. Shot on the Isle of Man, that movie mm. with the uh, wonderkind Christian McKay, who I love dearly. Not to be confused with the Isle of Dogs. That's right, not the Isle of Dogs, which I saw at the art theater. Did you really? I did. Nick <laughs> Allen and I on the last day of the festival. Uh, shout out to Nick Allen. Uh, nice. Oh, At N- Nick Allen Redux. Or Nick whatever. Allen Redux. That's I right. Oh, I love Nick Allen. Nick Good Allen man. is a great guy. He is taller than I imagined he would be. I was going to say we follow each other, but all I know is I definitely follow him. So Fair enough. We'll I'm see. sure he follows you too. <laughs> Checking. <laughs> Brett, Brett right now going to the phone to check. Keep talking. Anyway, um, so I was at me and Orson Welles in Boston at the Kendall Square Theater at noon on a Friday. And confirmation that Nick Allen does indeed follow Brett. I'm flying right now. I feel great. <laughs> That's great news for all of us. Great news for America. And I went to the restroom um, at a certain point during me and Orson Welles. When I came back, there was an usher standing there. I was in the restroom a total of, let's say, 37 seconds. It's a good pee. When I came back down, the the, the, the restrooms at the Kendall are on the second floor. Uh, there was an usher waiting for me. And he says, this is embarrassing. I'm thinking to myself, what is embarrassing? Are you about to ask me out? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know you at all, but yeah. I consider it. Uh, and he said, they've asked you, uh, they asked about the noise. They're complaining about the noise. I'm thinking to myself, what? What do you, yeah. did, I, did I accidentally not answer a phone call? What are they talking about? Right. And I stared at him confused and he said, you're laughing too loud. And they complained. At me and Orson Welles? Correct. At a movie that's supposed to make you laugh at that times? That is exactly what happened. Um, did you storm out angrily? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'd be I, so mad. I did walk in sort of like a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race where I threw a look at everybody in the uh, in the theater. Like, which one of you <laughs> Who <did> fucking <laughs> people complained about me laughing at a fucking comedy? Like, I'm sorry that my laughter is too fucking loud for you, that you want to enjoy things respectfully, whatever the fuck that means. Like, I don't know what you want. For, like, I, like, ah, this. <laughs> I don't want expressions of mirth. During my comedies, it yeah, was that's really insane. It was nuts. I uh, was very judgmental, but it was also like teed me up for a life of people uh, passive aggressively turning around in their chairs at the New York Film Festival. When I was at Listen Up Philip, for instance, the Alex Ross Perry, Perry film. That's yes. right. I'm driving a truck on one of his movies right now. Oh my god! Mm. When you when you when you say that, what is that? Is that a crew? Is that crew work? It is crew work. Yes, okay. it is me and six other people driving scooters around uh, streets waiting for uh, anybody to tell us anything. Okay. Um, it's. Uh, have you met Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> I have not met Winnie the Pooh. I'd love to. He's a childhood hero. Is that movie still happening? That movie is definitely still happening. It's not the Christopher Robin one. It's not the Christopher Robin one. It's a different one. It was rewritten, if I don't miss, animated. miss my guess. I think it might be partially animated. Whoa. Well, the way that it was pitched, and it made sense to me, uh, and certainly, uh, like, I, I do sincerely dig Alex Ross, per- Alex Ross Perry's writing. I think it's very sharp. I just watched Golden Exits. Um, I still haven't seen Golden Exits. It's good. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, listen up, Philip. When we saw it at New York Film Festival, I, was, I believe I was sitting next to Greg Quick, and we were both enjoying ourselves very loudly at this movie. Yes. Um, and everybody in the theater hated us. You know what? Fuck everybody. Fucking tell me. About I mean, it. I I am very particular about my theater audiences, but I would never get mad at someone for expressing emotions that are supposed to be expressed while watching it. Precisely. I'm mad at the old ladies with the bags who are rustling the bags and the, the crinkling. The bags and, like, the Werther's Originals. I, I tell you, that this is very <laughs> interesting. To see competing older women um, uh, yelling at each other for <laughs> the sandwiches and stuff like that. Like, literally, 
there was a movie that was about to start, and um, this this woman was like very slowly unwrapping a sandwich, and a woman behind her who was they were both 115, and they were just like, <laughs> "Could you stop?" And she's like, "I'm almost finished. I'm she almost finished unwrapping it," and like loudly enough to disrupt. Like this was not a problem until both of you. I've almost finished. I'm almost finished. Like, That's and incredible. She ate the sandwich very slowly throughout the movie. I don't even remember what movie it was. That's how important the sandwich was. Oh no. The experience. That's I don't remember how. What I was. I seeing. don't remember the movie. I saw them at very rarely. Sometimes I do, mm-hmm. but like mostly, it's like, oh yeah, that was the time that lady walked in with exactly, a suitcase exactly. and like <laughs> rustled right. through shit. Uh, like the, the <laughs> Stallone cleaning a gun in Cobra. That's the sound of a woman <laughs> unwrapping a sandwich in a movie theater. Um, listeners will know this one, but I saw the 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 2017, I guess, Mummy movie with oh, Tom sure, Cruise. Oh sure, with Mr. Thomas Cruise. With, with Sir Thomas Cruise, people's favorite Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, guy next to me. I don't want to say he's homeless, but. I'm going to say homeless adjacent. Sure. He's a guy who brought in, like, first of all, the, the grocery bag, like the rustly, pla- you know, right, the grocery course, bag. Yeah, and within the grocery bag was uh, wrapped, so it had to be opened, cold cuts. And this dude was making a sandwich with he, he unwrapped. He brought his own meat. He brought his own meat. <laughs> he brought his own bread. He was just making all the noise in the world. And it was a... Uh, it, it was oh like during the God. during the previews when my friend and I got up and actually moved because I'm like this guy's full on like ma- using his keys to open shit. <laughs> it was it was un it was like a parody of what what should happen in a movie theater. Oh I know spreading mustard. Yeah key. yeah yeah, fully oh like deli style. Oh. Just like I'm I'm here for the mummy. I'm <laughs> I've got my sandwich. I don't know. The mummy all the cards. We should probably get started. Right. <laughs> it's been 14 minutes of nonsense why, so far. Why ruin this streak? Oh, know? God. I'm going to just say for listeners, I love the new intro. I think it's terrific. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, shout out to the to the fan who made it, whose credentials I don't even have ready when you when you, when you drop the name. Whatever. It's just, uh, if you know who it is, he knows you, who, he <laughs> you knows who he is. Job. Or she? He, I don't know. Knows what they they know who they are. They know who they are. Um, I think we should go right into some of the bits and some of the pieces. Yes, let's catch uh, up on three weeks of news. Yeah, because last week, as you know, listeners, we had on Brock uh, Brock Wilbur to talk about the uh, Nexium cult. It was a one-off episode. You know the cult that the, the Smallville lady got run up in mm-hmm. so yeah we didn't do any news so i got tons of news <laughs> and uh i'm gonna have to do go. i'm gonna think of a bits and pieces theme song because joe is not here um okay uh, la, 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 la. pieces very thank you very that good. was axel brett that was um <laughs> here we go i love me an 80s cop show theme song yeah, what ha- we did we need more of these. I, I don't know film. why there aren't synth interludes anymore, frankly. <laughs> like that's the one bit of nostalgia we didn't rec- resurrect. Yeah. I'm fucking bummed as hell about it. Like we have John Carpenter music everywhere and n- no like Miami Vice, Hill Street Blues, you know, interstitial synth. Unbelievable. It's a bummer. Uh Interstitial synth fans, send us your best <laughs> interstitial, interstitial synths, <laughs> and we'll put them in the show. This is something that I think I saw because of you. Yeah, you baby. Uh, New York's Quad Cinema is doing a 32-film lineup for part one of their massive Hammer Horror Movie Marathon. This is good news. Yes, so Hammer Horror for Films America. are something that people are always talking about as like classic 
I believe British yeah, usually that's correct. British horror films. It was British. It was occasionally they would have directors from other parts of Europe, or in one or two cases, America, including the late great William Castle, came yes. to England to remake the Old Dark House, another recent quad restoration. Right. So bad movie though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that's why I brought it up because I want you. Oh uh, yes. you, you already did on Twitter, kind of. But yes, for uh, the listeners, there's. Uh, I believe there are. Is it, what is it? Thirty-two, right? Thirty-two. Uh, twenty-one right now. Twenty-one. Okay. No, no, you're right. Thirty-two. Oh, oh, is it twenty-one on thirty-five millimeter? Twenty-one okay, movies okay. on thirty-five including millimeter, including Frankenstein. Okay, that's 32 great. Total. So they're showing all these movies from May thirtieth to June nineteenth. So if you're in New York, what an opportunity! You and for go. me, as someone who hasn't seen a lot or any <laughs> maybe old. Uh, hammer stuff i need to go so yes. I, I need you to highlight a handful here all right so uh, let me let and me, tell me what they're about let me first say that like part one is terrific and very important as a foundational you know look into hammer horror um which is incredibly important the importance of hammer can't be overstated um it it it, it more the, recently, Hammer's back. Hammer's and back, and they're doing. They did that Daniel Radcliffe one, well, the they, Woman they, in Black. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about New Hammer because they haven't put out anything new. There was an announcement that they were going to do a Let the Right One in TV series. I don't know what the movement on that is lately. I remember that. The problem is, is that they were releasing good movies that nobody ha- apparently had any interest in seeing. So they came back and they used the remake of Let the Right One in Let Me In, which I still haven't seen out of protest. Here it's great. I'm told actually. it's great. I'm told yeah. it's good. I, I think just, I've seen it and just was like, eh. I just can't bring myself. I love. The I just original don't get the point. Too much. Yeah. The, it's like the one. It's almost shot for shot. Yeah, though it's the one film that I can't like. I I just I love Let the Right One in so much. I can't possibly put myself through something, especially because I have an allergy to Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, <laughs> you mean Carrie? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw in the Young Carrie Bradshaw Chronicles, right? I was gonna say I hope that's also true. <laughs> she also I think started it was actually that Anna garbage. Rob, oh yeah, um, you're right. Who was in um, Escape to w- Race to Witch Mountain? Race to uh, Witch Mountain. I'm gonna go with because of Win Dixie. Yes, that's right. Child star Anna Sophia Rob. Why do we know has this? Has grown up in Hollywood to the point where she's now Carrie Bradshaw, like not writing about her friends receiving rim jobs. <laughs> yet, yet. Was that show mostly rim job, folks? No. It wasn't mostly. I happened to walk in on the one rim job episode, and oh, that God. woman is now going to be our governor. Was it? Was it Samantha? Oh, it was, it was uh, Cynthia Nixon. Yes, absolutely. Miranda, Miranda getting or re- was, uh, receiving, receiving or she oh. was like she was receiving. I'm fine with it, and then like her boyfriend was like, "All right, well now I want one," and she's like, "I'm not doing that. I'm not licking your b-hole. Exactly. Like this is not a thing that you can't assume that I'm just going to do this. Honestly, it was it was a good lesson in a way because it 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 introduces to just because you know men want a thing does not. You know, you are under you are under no obligation to perform any sexual act that a man wants just because he's super nice about it. Ladies, stop eating your man's butts. Well, no, that's the lesson here. The lesson is, you know, you're sorry, wife, mom you know and dad. My parents listen to this. <laughs> I'm sorry. They watch Sex and the City, so she's maybe just getting some context that she needed. <laughs> it was. My point is, it was a good. It was a good lesson. It was a good thing that just because somebody persuasively argues for something doesn't mean you owe it to them. I think it was good, and I I really hope Cynthia Nixon is our governor. Um, she's terrific. Anyway, yeah, she's making Cuomo very liberal. So oh yeah, right. Very, all of a sudden, she just keep going. Honestly, she run every even if year. she drops yeah. out, like after she's <laughs> made him reverse all of her policies, I think that would be wonderful. No, but uh, she's terrific. Yeah. Go see uh, Quiet Passion. Regardless, oh Hammer Films. God, yeah. I know, isn't that great? Yes. Hammer Films. Um, they came back to life. Um. With, uh, I mean, with the Let Me In movie, but more importantly, with the Woman in Black, starring yes. one young, one young Harold Potter. One <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Mr. Mr. Harold James Potter. Uh, Mr. Uh, Equus. That's right. Uh, Equus himself, Harry Potter. Mr. Horsedick. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great Mother's Day episode. Uh, The Woman in Black did great business. um, And it's fucking terrifying. It had a sequel. It did, which I fucking love. I don't even know if I saw it. Nobody fucking saw it. I'm so mad about this. Right in a row, they made two movies that I fucking adore and nobody else saw. The Woman in Black 2, uh, Angel of Death, and the uh, the Quiet Ones, starring Mr. Jared Harris, star of The Terror, which we will oh, get to later. Oh man, Jared Harris! The Quiet Ones, which which Jared Harris confided in me, I think was a little more Jared Harris centric before they decided that they needed to make Sam Claflin a little more um, the focus of the movie. Which I understand being upset about that. Having said that, the movie works like gangbusters, and it has beautiful like eight millimeter interstitial. It's the only found footage movie where the found footage is on film. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, interesting. Sure. It's they tried to replicate this for Frankenstein's Army or whatever that movie is called, um, which is like kind of charming in a stupid way. Yeah. Um, it's not a movie I love, but it's a movie I watched. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a movie I watched. <laughs> a movie I watched. It's, it's glowing yeah, praise. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a movie. No one can take this away from them. It exists. Regardless, <laughs> um, I I I am concerned about the future of Hammer because they haven't put anything out since the joint failure of both of those movies, which is a fucking shame because they're great. And I told the story a million times, but I ran into Oren Moverman who did a rewrite. Oh God, I love that guy. On the Quiet Ones, and I and he was promoting his movie where Richard Gere is homeless. The homeless one. I just saw that's very sad. The homeless ones and the Quiet Ones. Oren. <laughs> Anyway, um, so Richard Gere's almost, and he's at New York Film Festival promoting it. He's got a serious face on, and I met him in the lobby, and I said, I love The Quiet Ones. And it looked as though I had caught him, like, peeing somewhere he wasn't supposed to. He was just like, uh, He probably thought you were joking or something. Well, that, yeah. I'm not yeah. joking. Yeah. I, I know love you're that not. movie. <laughs> That's the thing. And so he was just like, uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't write, I just didn't uh, rewrite. I, Alan uh, Smithy did. Uh, yeah. Exactly, basically. He did not expect to be credited on that, and I get it. But that movie's great. That movie is great despite... He's like, have you seen Time Out of Mind? Yeah, exactly. My other I was movie? like, yeah, I was just in the audience. Shut the fuck up and talk to me about this movie with Jerry Harris. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth, Oren Is, is he the one who did the, the, the Messenger also? He that did The Messengers, sad. and he did Rampart, and I believe he also did a very embarrassing movie about a dinner. The Dinner. The Dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my mom like watched that on Netflix and told me I'd like it after we watched Time Out of Mind. I, uh, all I remember is Callum Marsh's review, which is Steve Coogan rethink this. <laughs> um. <laughs> he also wrote the 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 the, the Beach Boys movie. Oh that, sure, that was good. That had uh, Paul Dano Paul and John Dano, Cusack yeah. in the same role. Whoa, oh. that's art. So Hammer Films, if that's... you're going to the retrospective, <laughs> yeah, this is mostly for me. Just tell me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, let me let me look at the list here. The Abominable Snowman is a terrific and lovely evocative film. Actually, weirdly, sort of, I want to say, responsible for the look and feel of the terror. Another I thought film... you were going to say Michael Keaton's Jack Frost. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that the horror movie Jack Frost is the only <laughs> thing responsible for Michael uh, Keaton's Jack Frost. Yes. Um. Uh, Brides of Dracula, terrific. Camp of Blood Island is interesting. It's not essential. Cash on Demand. Cash on Demand is one of their forays into non-horror, which I think are always less impressive and interesting. Like, Don't Take Sweets from a Stranger, I believe, is in this program. Um, I think it's called something else. But uh, okay. they're, I don't know. They're, they're like, fine. They never are, Take Sweets from a Stranger. Never Take Sweets. That's right. Uh, Cyril Franco. It, they're, they're good, but they uh, again, it's just not what they did well. So these are all... 90 minute or so. Yes. Horror. Beautiful, uh, like, sort of. Uh, I think Vincent Pricey, when I think well, of them, is that. Well, they, they, pre- they predate it. They predate So Vincent, Vincent Price, Price, as a very horror icon, inspired. begins after the, the thing because he has the one two punch of William Castle discovering Vincent Price. Um, because, again, Vincent Price was somebody who was famous from film noir. Um, he was in Lever to Heaven, and he was in uh, His Kind of Woman. 
and um, he had other roles in sort of Shakespearean things and stuff like that. He was he was he was more or less a serious actor until the '60s when Roger Corman starts making his Edgar Allan Poe movies. And um, he begins making the William Castle things where he's able to have fun with his own persona. And, of course, just take great advantage of that voice he's got. I mean, the, 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 the Vincent Price voice. I mean, there's a wonderful John Waters tribute to Vincent Price that they used to run on TCM. I don't know if they still do, but there's the thing where he's talking about, I think it's in Tomb of Ligeia, where he talks about the scratching of rat claws. And oh. nobody says that better than Vincent Price. The scratching of the rat scratching claws. Scratching of rat claws. It's so amazing. When I tweeted at you, you said anything Quatermass. Quatermass, Quatermass. Yes. So they're showing the Quatermass experiment, and they're showing Quatermass in the pit. They are not showing Quatermass 2, which is my personal favorite of the triptych. Okay. Um, Quatermass in the pit is by the great Roy Ward Baker, who gave us the first movie about Titanic, I want to say. Um, or the first sort of serious movie about Titanic, which is A Night to Remember. The only movie about Titanic, Titanic is James Cameron's Cameron. 1997 <laughs> Titanic. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I got really defensive. Is that your character? That's a character I do. That That's just your character, bro, who likes James guy Cameron. Guy from New York who fucking loves Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm working on it. Uh, uh, so, Quatum- Quatermass. Yeah. Quatermass, pl- uh, played by Andrew Keir in the one, also known from um, one of the better Draculas, whose name I forget. Okay. Um, but anyway, Andrew Keir was one of their... I mean, that's the thing I love about Hammer. Hammer was a, a tiny little studio that had international... Um, acclaim and and influence that they had a couple of actors they really loved and a couple of directors that they relied on and Jack Asher photographed a lot of it and they had this great production design it was just this lush beautiful autumnal uh, idea of what horror was supposed to look like and I think that they well, first of all they saved Universal from bankruptcy as far as I can tell because they by renewing um, the interest in Frankenstein and Dracula they got all these people to book Dracula and Frankenstein and the Invisible Man and whatever else because Hammer was doing those things. Hammer never did the Invisible Man. They did um, Were, sorry, Phantom of the Opera. Was was Hammer – pardon the ignorance of the no, question. No, no, of course. No, no. Was Hammer – could they be seen as like an old school equivalent to like an asylum? Very much. That is like, hey, we're yes. going to take – so Snakes on a Plane is in theaters right now, so we're going to go and make Snakes on a that's, Train and put it on DVD and you, trick people. You're not far off at all. But basically, Hammer Studios had been around for a number of years before bosses Anthony Hines and Michael Carreras finally discovered that the thing they might be able to break through in – was with horror, and this is a, that's an age-old story. People have a little bit of money, they don't know what to do, so they make a midnight movie before that phrase exists. I mean, it's really what gives George Romero his start is that same exact line of thinking ten years later. Sure. We have a little bit of money, what is popular? Horror is popular. So, like, even in the 50s, you know, when they decide to remake Frankenstein and Dracula, which were their first two um, things... Th- th- there, there's a knowledge that people will go to be scared in a movie theater. That's that's that that didn't go anywhere, right. and and everybody understands that. I mean, even even something like the Val Luton RKO stuff is a good also sure. study of um, a precedent for Hammer. Is you know we've got people who want to make good art, and we have this one idea, which is uh, horror. People like to be scared. We'll do this again. These movies were successful: Frankenstein, Dracula, what have you, The Wolfman. They remake. Almost all of them. I don't think they ever do an Invisible Man thing, but they do Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, they... Oh, Russell Crowe? That's right. That's right. Sorry. Eddie Hyde. What a great movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, li- I know that people are like down in that movie, but I laughed my ass off. Oh, I off. laughed. It was so fun. It's just like, what were they? Like, the tone is all over the Who place. fucking Who... knows? I know. What, like the guy by... from New Girls in right, there? Exactly. like As like a, a, a American Jack... Werewolf oh, in London my style. God, it was like, so bad. Like Spectre. Like a complete... That movie is a <laughs> shrug emoji. That's who wrote the screenplay. It was shrug emoji. Credited to... Ooh. 
the Tim Allen noise. Congratulations, Tim Allen. Congratulations, Tim Allen, on your stupid garbage being renewed. America claps its hands for you. Uh, I hope you go back to jail. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I hope it don't be listeners in the flyover states. <laughs> Hello. Oh, they love that last man standing. They love that character that he plays, man who hates women. <laughs> man who lives with women but wishes he were man. That's right. Oh gosh, Tim Allen's uh, just a one for the ages. He's our new Doctor Who. Did you know that? <laughs> anyway, so um, they they did a couple of interesting things where they 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 kind of dove into uh, uh, a couple of different horror ideas, which gives us the Abominable Snowman and stuff like that. They they were trying everything out because they knew they could make movies under budget for just a little bit of money and and come away with something that people would enjoy because. Making movies in either very evocative black and white, in the case of The Abominable Snowman, or in lush, disgusting color, in the case of Horror of Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein, it was something that nobody had seen before. I mean, they're showing blood and scars in a way that nobody had ever seen, so naturally people were just like, oh my god, you have to go see this. Um, so yeah, this part one uh, series is from 1956 to 1967. Yes, and they they get a lot of the good ones. They missed a handful, but I mean, I, mean, I don't. That's know. a lot of fucking movies. It's How many movies did they fucking make? Hammer, I believe, <laughs> when they went out of business the first time, when they went bankrupt in 1975 after To the Devil a Daughter. Uh, actually, I'm saying it might be 74. Regardless, um, they had made probably 65, 70 films, maybe more than that. Um, but then, uh, they, in not that much time, <laughs> in not that much time at all. I mean, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they start making movies in, I want to say the, the forties. Um, but they, again, the company had been around for a while before anybody paid attention to them. They just hadn't found their niche yet. Sure. Um, and then they, they declare bankruptcy. I think in 1974, they go to business. They release a couple of things in the late seventies, early eighties that the brand is still attached to. They remade the lady vanishes with Elliot Gould and Sybil Shepard, which is Ooh. actually very good. Nice. Um, that movie has no reputation to speak of, but it's very, very good. And then they did a 1980s limited-release TV series called Hammer House of Horror, where they brought back a couple of their directors like uh, Peter Sazdy and um, Alan Gibson and people like that to come back and make little things for TV. And then they're sort of dormant with like a little bit of activity, and then they come back in 2008 with a limited web series called Beyond the Rave. Not great, but you know, it was like an announcement. It was, we're back, we're doing this again. So back to the list here of the things to see. Yeah. Definitely. The Gorgon? The Gorgon is okay. They did it better. Again, it was the, the, the interesting thing. When they had an idea, they basically always did it twice. Um, okay. th there's a Dracula movie that is functionally identical to Rasputin the Mad Monk. Okay. Because they only had a handful of sets. So they had movies where they basically they shot two movies on the same set. Flip it around. <laughs> basically. And then I remember there was a story where one day they accidentally sent out um, th uh, two different like A-B pictures that had the same structure. So like they were supposed to send oh. them out where one ends on the ice and the other one ends sure. in the desert. And then they did it in the same way where Dracula, Prince of Darkness, I think it is, which ends with Dracula being uh, harpooned in ice, also came with Rasputin the Mad Monk, which ends the exact same way. And audiences were furious. This That's was the kind of really old school funny. like. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, that the Hammer guys did. Anthony Hines and um, uh, James Carreras used to... I mean, they were all about money in the bottom line, and they were very, very shrewd about this stuff, which is why they hired people like Freddie Francis and Terrence Fisher who could get things in no time at all. John Gilling, I think, was probably a little fussier than the rest of them because his movies, I think, have a more distinct feel and a kind of weird somnambulant vibe, which I think he worked very hard to get. Regardless, 
definitely see Sonambulant. Sonambulant. Like yes. uh, 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 that movie that I saw. Doctor Caligari. Doctor. The Cabinet of Doc- uh, One Doctor Caligari. You said Revenge of Frankenstein. Revenge of Frankenstein is the second of the Frankenstein movies, and it is completely fucking cutthroat. It is so awesomely dark and bleak and cynical. I'm it's gonna am- see that one. It's amazing. It's, honestly, I like Curse of Frankenstein because it has the. So okay, there's a very famous scene in Curse of Frankenstein where he feeds his mistress to the monster, basically. Okay. And then the, there's the next cut is him at breakfast with his wife, and he says Elizabeth passed the marmalade or something like that. Yeah. If you extend that moment to an entire movie, that is the revenge of Frankenstein. The most <laughs> cynical, black-hearted horror movie. It's so good. Sounds like Phantom Threat. It's amazing. <laughs> Actually, yes, now that you're saying that, very much. Daniel Day-Lewis is sort of playing a Peter Cushing character if Peter Cushing had ever been considered a romantic lead. That is interesting. It's crazy. Um, uh, Brides of Dracula. Brides of said. Dracula is a lot of fun. It has it's Basically, right before Peter Cushing decided he couldn't run around anymore, um, so they got him like one last time in action hero mode. There's a great shot in Horror of Dracula where he fucking tears the curtains off of a building to trap Dracula, Christopher Lee, and then runs over and throws a cross made of candlesticks in his face. Like that kind of stuff. Peter Cushing was very good at that. He was a short man, he was a spry man, and he could run around with the best of them. He was kind of a proto-Tom Cruise in a weird way. Ah, um, it all comes back. Uh, Frankenstein created women. Frankenstein woman. created woman is Amazing. It's sort of again. It's is very. It, is it what it sounds like? Exactly what it sounds like. It's, <laughs> it's all it's, in the title. It's, the Frankenstein was one of those characters, like like uh, Phantomas or. or uh, I think you mean Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> that's right. Well, no, no, no. But in this one, that's that, that's the beautiful thing. Honestly, is that it, it, it preempts people saying that the character of Doctor Frankenstein, um, Victor or Henry, depending on which ones you watch, in the Hammer mo- uh, sorry, in the Hammer movies, is a he's almost like an anti superhero. Um, okay. He keeps res- resurrecting himself. Like, he keeps escaping the noose and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, s- setting up shop and doing something else nefarious. That's the beauty of that character, is that he's just, like, an evil super genius who shows up to do fucked up shit and then vanish until they need him for the next one. That's why it was a timeless character. There was no thing they wouldn't make him do. Cushing kind of hated the treatment of it, and he rebelled against it in in, in certain instances. Most famously in um, uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, which is honestly one of the best, if not the best, of the whole Frankenstein series. But that's not being uh, showed here. Okay. Anyway, in Frankenstein Created Women... A, a young woman is murdered, and he brings her back in kind of Bride of Frankenstein fashion, and like convinces her, her boyfriend that like everything's gonna be fine. Which like, is don't cool, worry about it because a I fucking it. lie. <laughs> it's amazing. It's very good, and the performance of the young woman who plays uh, the Frankenstein monster in that, whose name escapes me unfortunately, is terrific. I just uh, I have this wonderful image of this coquettish blonde kind of winking at the camera now that she's been resurrected. It's wonderful. So definitely okay. see Frankenstein created woman. And then you said fanatic, aka die die my yes, darling. Yes, with um, Tallulah Bankhead. No way. For real. Star of the what movie I've seen? Lifeboat. Her? Lifeboat. Yes. Yeah. I went to Greg Proops's film club thing. Really? In L.A. at Cinefamily when that was a thing. Yes, I remember Before, this. Yes, before right. uh, right. sexual harassment uh-huh. was a thing that was public <laughs> and bad. Um, yeah. So Greg Proops had Greg Proops film club, and the two movies I saw at Greg Proops film club were *La Samurai*. And Tallulah Bankhead in Lifeboat. Le Samurai is terrific. Oh, it's awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, Die Die My Darling is Tallulah Bankhead is a woman named Mrs. Trefoil. Mm. And, um, <laughs> cool. I know. It's got Peter Vaughn in it also. Uh, it's, just, it's just a terrifically weird thing. Also starring a pre-famed Donald Sutherland as her sort of retarded henchman. 1965 retarded Donald Sutherland. It's a thing. Cool. That, it's a sight to be seen. Donald Sutherland really didn't take good roles until Don't Look Now. 
Um, right. He wasn't really like he didn't know who he was, so he just went where they sent him. He's in a terrible movie from the canceled, infamous nineteen sixty eight Cannes Film Festival called Joanna, where he again plays a semi like on the spectrum rich English person. Okay. Like Donald Sutherland can do many things, and English accent is not one of them. And they <laughs> kept asking him to do it. It was very weird. Anyway, die Wait, die so my the darling. Sixty eight Cannes Festival never happened. It never happened. Um, this is the thing that, that actually, speaking of my anniversary at RogerAber.com, the first thing I did was a series of video essays about the different con film festival slates that sort of say blah, blah, blah about the state of cinema. 1968 was canceled because they fired Henri Langlois from the Cinémathèque Francaise. Jean-Luc Godard and Francois Truffaut and Louis Maul and a handful of other people, or Roman Polanski, actually, no, Roman Polanski didn't, didn't uh, side with them. He was on the jury. He didn't like what they were doing. Regardless, they said, we can't have the festival now. Look at the rioting in the streets. Paris is a madhouse. We must stop this festival. How can you possibly talk about film grammar at a time like this? Right. Which, coming from Godard, is the richest shit I've ever heard in my yeah. life. <laughs> it's it's amazing. And meanwhile, now Godard is fucking Skyping into the fucking Quasette on a goddamn cell phone to be like, oh, I'm still important. Movies are great. Ugh. Like, I love him, but he's such a fucking pile of shit. Anyway, regardless. Um, we're coming for you, Godard. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we, we're moving on from uh, 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 Platinum Dunes director Marcus Nispel. Right. And we're going oh on to Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, shitless Godard. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong, Godard is still doing incredibly essential work, and I still love sure. him. I'm very looking forward to his new movie. Having said that, in 1968, he didn't have a film competition, so he had no fucking dog in the fight. So He, he didn't have one? No. Oh, I see. He fucking canceled so a festival. So he's like, no festival. He just <laughs> swung in like fucking Zorro from the fucking light fixtures and said, you better cancel this shit. Important things are happening on the street, which is fucking hilarious because France and Europe were in utter turmoil from the time he started making movies until he decided to cancel the Cannes Film Festival. Arbitrarily. Completely fucking yeah. arbitrary because yeah. Henri Langlois was a friend of his and he thought that he needed to go stand for him, which is admirable, I guess, except that you stop movies from Africa and fucking war-torn Western Europe I'm sorry, Eastern Europe, like from ever being shown so that that that, that people that these movies didn't get a con seal of approval, which means that they wouldn't get shown in America, and they didn't for the most part. One of the only films from Khan that actually got shown anywhere was The Fireman's Ball because Milos Forman already had an audience built in because Loves of a Blonde had been nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, and then mm. later Kuraneko, which again only got to America on the piggybacked reputation of Onibaba by the same filmmaker. And Godard stopped 10 beautiful films from being shown and never finding a home and a lot of their directors never made movies again it's jesus so those movies just don't like the joanna one just you can't find it well joanna's fucking terrible you can find all of them except and this is the very 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 interesting thing Menahem Golan of Golan and Globus, the Canon Group, he yep. had a movie that was supposed to screen there. And I like to believe that if that movie had screened, we never would have had the Canon Group because he would have been able to be treated like a real artist. He oh, made a movie called Tevia and His Seven Daughters, which is completely gone. It was missing. I Facebook messaged Menahem Golan before he died, <laughs> and I said, where is this movie? And he said, I don't know. Oh, that's so fucked up. Isn't it sad and weird? Yeah, it's, hard, it's weird to think that back in the day, like, you didn't just have like 18 copies of the thing you right, made. Right, exactly, because you don't have like, it was just like external there's a, hard drive. There's a print of this somewhere, and if I don't have it, it's gone. And he has no idea where it is. My friend Daniel Kramer, no idea where it is. Like, all the people who should know where a copy of Tevya and his seven daughters is does not know. And I like to think. Who's that seen that movie? You haven't seen it. Nobody's seen it, as Nobody's far as I can tell. It. I have not found a single review of this movie. Like, I know that apparently the guy who plays Tevya was called by Topol the definitive Tevya. <laughs> I know this. That is all I know. Okay. It's very strange. Well, speaking of Khan, I think we could uh, transition perfectly yeah, sure. into Khan's happening right now. Yes, it is. And uh, there are a number of horror uh, acquisitions or premieres that like, I just want to read a f- little Ooh, bit yeah, about. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. Um, 
one of them being uh, another another Stephen King thing has been optioned. God damn it! Out of uh, con. Uh, it's the gingerbread girl, the gingerbread, our listeners care, Scout. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I just don't have any patience left for Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King's The Gingerbread Girl. It first appeared in Esquire magazine. It was later included in King's 2008 collection of stories just after sunset. Here's what it's about. The story focuses on Emily, a woman recovering from a recent loss in a secluded house in the loneliest stretch of New England. She avoids contact with her husband and her father and channels her grief into a grueling daily running regimen. This is doing her all kinds of good until one day she makes a mistake of looking into the driveway of a man named Pickering. Pickering also enjoys privacy, but the young woman he brings to his home suffer the consequences of knowing him. The tension hinges on whether M will be next. Uh, sounds cool. Uh, Scout's not on board. I can. I'm gonna do an impression. Of, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Joe would be like, Yeah, cool, more king, sweet, move on. Yeah, uh, so and I'm glad Joe was. I'm Joe. Fair and balanced. Yeah, I'm glad Joe wasn't here for the hammer stuff because his take is old movies are bad. His take is wrong. <laughs> his take is fucking wrong. When the fucking part two of that hammer series debuts, it's gonna have some of their best work, which is some of the best horror films of all fucking time. Okay. Oh my god. The okay. Vampire Lovers by Roy Ward Baker. Vampire Circus. Frankenstein uh, must be destroyed. Frankenstein and the monster from hell. Everyone, I hope Demons you're writing. Mine. I hope you're writing these things down, everyone. When the next series debuts, I will happily come back on here and berate your audience. Oh, cool! So that they go see these movies. Well, um, a lot of them probably aren't here. Are those movies all available somewhere? For them somewhere, to watch? most of them are. I know you can get a lot of them on iTunes. Um, oh, great! Like you can buy them individually. Mm -hmm. I know Hammer's big on like sets. Yes. So you can probably get like a. You can set probably get a bunch of, of them. Which tons is, of which them. Which is how Snowdonia wound up with a bunch of late period Frankenstein movies. Are there Shout Factory releases of that shit, or do they I, do their own? You thing? know, I have a Blu-ray of The Vampire Lovers by Roy Ward Baker, um, mm. but I don't Gimme. know. Gimme! Yeah, it's very, very good stuff. Okay. Um, Roy Ward Baker, guys. Um, slept on auteur. More con. Can? Con. Con. Like Wrath of. Great. I'll never forget it now. <laughs> um, uh, the director of Wreck. Which one? Uh, 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 the one who Paco also Plaza? did... Paco Plaza? who also did Veronica, which I loved. I have not seen that it's one. It's on Netflix, Ooh. and it is quite good for being just like a possession movie. Yeah, um, anyway, his next movie is called Eye for an Eye, and... Uh, What's the news out of Cannes here? It just exists. Sure. It, it wrapped production well, in Louis Spain. That's Luis Tosar, who's a lot of fun. Yes, and the premise is, after struggling with the death of his brother Sergio, retirement home nurse Mario looks forward to a new chapter in his life with the arrival of his first child. But when cartel boss uh, Antonio Padden is discharged from prison and put into Mario's care, he begins to question whether his duty of care is more important than the lives this man has destroyed. Sounds pretty heavy. Interesting. And a uh, different type of movie than Veronica. Yes, very much. Uh, what else we got? here uh superstition What's it's this? called superstition the rule of threes formerly superstition final chance huge change it has wrapped production uh in georgia will complete filming in louisiana and they're at con, uh, con trying to get funding it's directed by kevin goats and michael goats who that. it says martyrs oh but they don't worry they martyrs. remade martyrs oh, fucking people i know i don't i think i think i did watch it for the podcast and it's so bad i literally forgot that i watched it <laughs> um, i don't even like the first one and you're gonna remake it i really like martyrs but i would love to hear you disassemble martyrs i genuinely i think it's a matter of aesthetics over um uh theme i think that these guys had an idea that they thought was important enough that they could get away with, with just the horrific leaving, treatment of everybody leaving every light in the house on yeah. Um, and like all the blood is that gooey Greg Nicotero stuff. And I just, I don't know. There's something about it that was like overly like, it's, like, yeah. like predictably unartistic for the sake of you must wallow. And then 
they get to the end, and it is just wallowing in perfect full fucking daylight, like it's the transformation scene in American Werewolf in London, where every goddamn available light is turned on to make sure that we don't miss anything. And then it just, like, has its one thing that it says, and blah, blah, blah. I just, I was completely turned off by the whole thing. I, I, I can't watch movies that project to you that this is a film about the absence of hope in the universe, and then makes you pay for having, dis- like, hung in there with the hope that you might watch something that isn't just about the utter hopelessness of existence. Huh. I was turned off. Okay. I understand that. That movie is very uh, divisive, I'll say. It is. Yes, um, indeed. And I just, I don't know. I think it's like, its prankishness is belied by the lack of careful craft. Um, okay. I just, I just wish, I, I wish it was, I don't know. Like, uh, the guys who made Inside, like, I know that they had Ooh, foisted on them movie. the baby stuff. The baby stuff, to me, is the worst. Did they really? They did. That was not their choice. What do you mean, the baby stuff? The, in, the like, images the whole, of the baby. Like, oh, like the CGI the baby. The CGI baby, and it was yeah. the part that I hated the most, and it really well, turned yeah, me off Well, yeah, I hated that, too. Exactly. Just, it didn't ruin it for me, but it was like, I'm like, this is stupid. It is. It was very <laughs> stupid, and they apparently and wasn't, it was not foisted on them, but I was like, okay, I get this. You guys were trying to make this thing, which is just two women locked in a fucking death grip. That some producer yeah. said, you better show the face of the there baby. There better be a baby. Like, you better know. I'm like, she's pregnant as fuck. Fucking we know there's so a baby. so stupid. But those guys <laughs> later figured out how to do more what they were actually good at with Levine and, I will argue, Leatherface. I know everybody else oh, yeah. fucking hates fucking that. Fucking hated that movie. Yeah, everybody so hates it. But I think that that is actually what they do is they turn misery and abject, disgusting sort of uh, uh, torment into this sort of overly aesthetic uh, uh, sight spectacle. Um, well, that ties into the movie we're talking about later, I feel like. Uh, yeah, in a way. I, I think you're right about that. Um, but I think that those guys have a terrific visual sense. And honestly, with the movies that they're doing, which are not about an emotional entree into, uh, you know, sybaritic uh, uh, pain, I think that um, they figured that out in a way that the guys, uh, that uh, what's his name, who made Martyrs did not, Pascal Lahir. Yeah. Having said that, I really did enjoy his follow-up, which was The Tall Man. Oh, yeah. I don't, is that the one with Jessica Biel? It is. Yeah. I don't remember watching that. I, it, I'll need to watch that. I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's better than people give it credit for. Okay. For I like her. that your, your takes are, uh, I want to say non-traditional. Certainly. So I'm excited to check that out now because yeah. I just heard it was shit. No, it's, uh, it's, it's actually So this good. movie, Superstition, The Rule of Threes, written by uh, Final Destination's Jeffrey Reddick, who was going to do this podcast, and then through a series of events that sounded like a Final Destination movie, <laughs> said he couldn't. Um, I'll go down to that later. Uh, the, st- <laughs> the story takes place after two unrelated deaths occur on a university campus with a co-ed and her friends unwittingly pulled into participating in the Deadpool, an online game based on the superstition that death comes in threes, in which students takes in which students place bets on who will die next. What starts as an immature joke soon turns to terror when she learns her selection has died in an automobile accident, then discovers that her friends are being killed one by one, making her the prime suspect. Sounds very much like Final Destination, so right up this dude's alley. Can't imagine why they asked him to write it. Yeah. So it sounds like a, this sounds like more like a like a truth or dare or like a, a happy death day type of like high concept. Yes, very much PG-13, in the Bloom House vein. PG-13 shit that like I'll go see and then talk about <laughs> it on here about how it sucks. Uh, and how everyone's crazy for loving it. Uh, so yeah, so I can't wait for that to happen. Great, okay. Um, nice. Next is uh, a movie called Meander, also at uh, Cannes. Uh, it stars... Berenice Marlowe who from is great. Skyfall. She's terrific. And directed by Matthew Turi. Turi? Turi, I'm not Turi? really familiar I with. I don't know. And it sounds like a cross between Saw and Cube. Well, that uh, sounds terrible on its <laughs> face, but what do I know? A woman wakes up in a strange tube full of deadly 
traps. Her only option is to keep moving forward, but it is not clear how far she can get. That sounds fucked up. Waking up in a tube and just being like, I was gonna you say, got one she, path. Unless, <laughs> unless yeah. she woke up in the gun barrel from Raul Ruiz's Night Across the Street, I don't really have much interest in women waking up in tubes in movies. Just going <laughs> to say it. No tubes. No more tubes. I'm Come on, tubes Hollywood. Tubes movies. We're over tubes. I'm over it. Um, Okay, that sounds interesting. Did we did we do Jigsaw the last time I was here? Is that what we? Oh, uh, it may did? have come up. We did. We did, we Winchester. did Winchester. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about tubes and death. Yeah. Anyway, uh, not there's important. A, <laughs> there's a Mads Mikkelsen movie. Oh yes, called I'm Arctic. Very excited about this. Yeah, this one I think Hella got acquired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, they did it. It was like a midnight it. screening at Con. Is that correct? Yes. So yes. Bleecker Street acquired it. Good. Um, this is good news for America. Okay, so uh, Mads Mikkelsen, a.k.a. Hannibal from NBC. Good Lord, watch that show if you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, Mads Mikkelsen plays a man stranded in the Arctic uh, and finally about to s- receive his long-awaited rescue. However, after a tragic accident, his opportunity is lost. He must then decide whether to remain in the relative safety of his camp or to embark on a deadly trek through the unknown for potential salvation. Sounds like a classic yeah. guy stuck in a bad situation movie, Very which exciting. can hit or miss for me. I remember everyone going Ape shit over that Robert Redford movie. See, the and problem I did not like it. All is lost. It's the, the problem I think is that. Did we you like ha- it? N- it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. I walked out being like, that was fine. Can I tell you the problem? <laughs> J.C. Chandor, not an artist. That was Ch- oh, that was him. Yeah, he's not an actual fucking artist. Is the problem? What else has he done? He's a fucking rich kid who lucked into blah blah blah. Anyway, um, somebody I'm sure will like come and find me on Twitter and tell me I'm wrong. I got into an argument with his producer once, which is amazing that he has a producer who doubles as a hype man. So I went on Twitter <laughs> and I complained about a most violent year. I was like, oh, this is like Sydney Lumet. Oh, I like that movie, but no one does. No, 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 no one with no one like who I know who like writes about film likes it. I remember like, Bri- like Brian that. Brian from Ebert liked it and like a lot of people enjoyed it. And I like I I I, I wanted to enjoy enjoy myself the problem i think is that he it, it played like a student thesis film where somebody was like i've I seen that. a lot of Sidney lumet and a lot of john frankenheimer let's see if i can do that and there was just no beating heart in that movie it is all decisions and not like emotions it is like literally the stuff where he's like there, there should be a moment where you're just like oh he's corrupt but he's not and it's just like oh her family's coming to like murder us but they don't it's all just it's all innuendo that's my I problem see. with that fucking movie and that's literally it's I just, forgot that he, he also did all his loss yeah he did all his loss and he did Margin Call too which is another movie that stupid people like and think it's smart sorry Kevin <laughs> Spacey Mm. It? It's like a stocky movie. Margin Call is about the 2008 final financial crisis. Right. It stars Zachary Quinto and pa- Ben P- Penn Badgley and Jeremy Irons. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a movie that I hate so yeah, much. It is Kevin Spacey. I'm not crazy. Because it's a movie where literally somebody says, Oh my God, come over here and take a look at this. And they do, and they're like, We got to get some more people it's one of those to movies? look at this. And it's then, like, like uh, 50, You guys, you're going to want to take a look exactly. at this. Exactly. And 50 <laughs> people show up and they say, Oh my God the ramifications of this text on the screen and then literally Jeremy Irons shows up and he says explain it to me as if I were a dog he says if I were a jolly Labrador he literally says the words jolly Labrador and I was fucking furious I was like no 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 you do not make a movie about the fucking start market and then ignore the jargon I came here for jargon yeah too big to fail came out within a year of that film and it was the film that that should have been. And nobody fucking watched Too Big to Feel. And then Curtis Hansen died. And now everybody just gets to go on with their lives as if they didn't like Margin Call better than Too Big to Fail. And then Big Short came out and won an Oscar. <laughs> Big was nominated Short. for an Oscar. <laughs> Big Short is like, fine, I guess. Uh, Will Ferrell's Adam McKay's <laughs> The Big, Big Short. Short. Um, anyway. All right. Uh, 
Saban Films, I believe. Saban. Saban Films, responsible for such films as Power Rangers. Rangers. <laughs> uh, they're actually like becoming. They're like sort of becoming a WWE, where they're like low key producing good movies. Producing movies that star uh, Kane. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> like Ceno Evil, who's also Sorry, Kane. Triple Kane's H. Ab- Kane's about to be mayor of some some town. He won a. He won real? the primary. Yeah. Kane won a primary. Kane won a primary. I wonder how Abel feels in like Tennessee or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, so the, they've acquired uh, the Power Rangers people have acquired a movie called Keepers. Okay. That stars Gerard Butler. Stop drilling! You've hit oil. <laughs> well, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna keep drilling because they have par- a parenthetical for like what movies you'd know Gerard Butler from, and one of them is How to Train Your Dragon. Nobody knows Gerard Butler from How to Train <laughs> Your Dragon. Just say 300. I can fucking guarantee you. Just say 300 or the Jennifer Aniston movie The Bounty Hunter. That's we right. all know that. Wasn't that was he good. in more than one of those movies? Where I he plays think like he a was. soccer coach. I think. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Gerard Butler's had a very distressing career. Uh. The, the the has fallen trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any. As of in those. Gerard Butler's star. <laughs> oh, thank good. you, thank you. Um, okay, so yeah, Gerard Butler movie. Uh, here's the premise. It had a six week shoot. It's it's uh, uh okay on an uninhabited island, twenty miles from the rugged Scottish coast. Three lighthouse keepers. <laughs> Sorry. No lighthouse needs three keepers. <laughs> three lighthouse keepers <laughs> arrive for their six week shoot. <laughs> <laughs> As Thomas James, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> such lighthouse. It's the keepers, it man. Needs three people. Uh, it's a fucking <laughs> light bulb in the sky. Uh, it takes one dude at most. <laughs> or if you're fucking. <laughs> Have you seen Annihilation? A lot of shit goes down in lighthouses. I know, but even that only needed two Oscar Isaacs. Just two, two. Okay, wow. Spoilers. <laughs> Um, as Thomas, James, and Donald, great names, settle into their usual <laughs> solitary routines. I hope Gerard Butler plays Donald. No, he's James. I bet. <laughs> Sorry. I bet. Uh, something oh. unexpected and potentially life-changing occurs. Oh, I bet. They stumble upon something that isn't theirs to keep. Where did it come from? Who does it belong to? A boat appears in the distance. I might hold the answer to these questions. Oh, shit. What follows is a tense battle for survival as personal greed replaces loyalty. This just sounds like the movie Triangle. Do you remember that film? I do like Triangle. Did you like Triangle? Uh, Triangle is fine. It's Chris Smith, right? The, yeah. Yeah, he's fine. I like him in general, but that's just what this is going to be. Yeah. Like They're going to wind up shooting each other in the three other Three more yeah, lighthouse keepers. Exactly. <laughs> Did you know, here's a fun fact. Triangle was released in a calendar year with no fewer than three other movies with the exact same device. There's a movie called Dark Floors. There was a movie called the what was it? It was uh, the Reeds or something like that, or okay. the, the like the Tall Grass or some goddamn thing. There okay. were there were th- like four movies in a row that were just that same thing, like where, time traveling. Yes, like, guy goes whoa. through a routine and accidentally shoots at himself. Or like time crimes there were f- or something. Four, yeah, time crimes. Time crimes yeah. was released in the same year as uh, that. Is that right? And the reeds and uh, and dark floors, That's and so they're funny. all the same plot. Like, and <laughs> if this is that, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. <laughs> well, we're calling it now. <laughs> is this the shirt you're wearing? Oh no, I'm sorry. It's just the same font. It is the same font. Holy shit, you're right. That. Uh, I'm wearing an Arctic Monkeys sweater because I went to see them on uh, Wednesday night. They're still good in Brooklyn. Oh, they're great. Uh, terrific. New album is a departure, and it's awesome. Oh, what kind of departure? What is that? Uh, very slow, melancholy. He wrote it on a piano. Oh, wild. It's amazing. Well, he. I mean. The, the Submarine soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks. If you like Submarine, uh, this is as close to an Alex Turner solo album will ever have. It is fucking awesome. Quick tangent. Yes, Do you please. enjoy the music of Cody and Velvet Club? I am unfamiliar. Alex Turner put together a Baroque Hollywood pop album called Cody and Velvet Club. 
and it is amazing. It was a total one-off. I can't believe it. I need to hear this. You need to hear it. It's I love his other side project, The Last Shadow Puppet. Last Shadow Puppets were great. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the guy is a is a font of creativity, I got to say. He's genius. He's and so good. You, I will, I will... I will give you the album before you leave. It yes, is, yes. it is fucking amazing. I, I'm, I'm excited. Um, continue. Yes. Uh, so the Orchard has acquired a movie called Rabbit, which marks the feature debut of one of Australia's leading new filmmakers, Luke Shanahan. Do not know that name. Uh, it's a psychological thriller. Here's the, here's the, the script. Um, Rabbit is a throwback to the classic psychological '70s horror genre and a tale of searching for one's lost identical twin as our lead Maud endures both physiological and physical terror in pursuit of her missing sister. Employing psychedelic visuals and a mind-bending soundscape, it puts a fresh twist in the classic horror trip of twin sisters with a psychic connection in distress. Sounds cool. I have to barrel through these. We're going. We have a lot (laughs) to go. Uh, There's something called Zombie Pura, which. Zombie, zombie pura. pura. It's a zombie, so I guess it's a comedy. Directed by Jason Tan, the film resol- revolves around a zombie outbreak in an isolated army camp where a lazy soldier and his tough commander have to fight to survive and learn what it takes to become real soldiers. Sounds very generic, um, <laughs> but their recent releases include Train to Busan, which fucking rules, or uh, Busan. Busan, yes. Talk. Train to Busan was good. A lot very of fun. good. Uh, Replicate. Uh, Replicate is a movie. All right, bloody disgusting. We have to talk. You can't, I know. You cannot give homage. You I know. I'm not gonna. I, I don't read the headlines for a reason. <laughs> 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 I use this for news, and then we often will be, we we remake fun of them constantly. Oh, uh, anyway, they featured ourselves a few times, so love you guys. You guys are great. Do you know what I got for my mother for Mother's Day? A a, a bloody disgusting homage. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I gave her homage. Oh God! Oh, uh, it got Cam Gigande. Yeah, Cam Gidget. I call him Gidget. But Gidget. Oh my Cam God! Cam Gigand. Oh, and it's got fucking Joel Courtney from fucking Super Eight and Cam Gigandet. I was hoping it'd be Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney and Cam. <laughs> G- I don't think a movie could handle the raw star power <laughs> of Jai Courtney and Cam Gigante. So, so star of burlesque Cam Gigante. Oh God! Replicant. Replicate. Excuse me. Replicate. It's not called. It's not a Blade Runner. It is not a Blade Runner. The film follows three friends making a web series about the town. Ta- oh, this sounds terrible. To make a w- <laughs> making a web series about their town who discover that their neighbors are being killed and replaced by creatures that are perfect copies of their victims. It sounds like Body Snatchers. It sounds like it's giving homage to the <laughs> invasion of the Body Snatchers. Look, if I had to give you a logline in this movie, I would say it was giving homage yeah. to <laughs> Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers. That sounds fucking terrible. Okay. Joel Courtney, fire your agent. <laughs> J- Jai Courtney, Jai call, Courtney call your call agent. Call us. Get call in your there. agent and get out of Suicide Squad. Um, Captain Boomerang, Jack Courtney. So there's a movie coming from George Ratliff called Welcome Home. It stars Aaron Paul and Emily Ratajkowski. Wait a minute. Ratajkowski and Ratliff together again for the very <laughs> first time. This is very exciting news. I like how it says Gone Girls, Emily Ratajkowski. Will it's not stop? like girl with tits on Twitters. <laughs> Emily Ratajkowski. I'm woman, sorry. She's woman, gorgeous. Woman who picked up the phone when Robin Thicke called. <laughs> woman who was in... The feature length uh, Soul Cycle ad, I <laughs> Feel Pretty, right. with Amy Schumer, which I God, saw was she last in week. That? She's yeah. also in the Entourage movie. The, the Entourage The film. point is, her <laughs> instincts <me>. are <laughs> lawless. Yeah, it's amazing. She knows exactly what she's doing. So, this movie. <laughs> the Entourage uh, film. Yeah, excuse me. That's Say the it right. Funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Did you know that Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, tweeted about. The Entourage movie the year it, the summer came out, be like best movie ever. Did you know yeah. Steve Mnuchin probably produced <laughs> yeah, it's it. It's true. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. The Trump administration is fully responsible for, for Entourage. the Entourage movie. Actually, I genuinely believe this. I, like, if you don't think that Donald Trump watched Entourage and was like, "Yeah, that's my life," terrific. 
<laughs> Terrific film. It's a great show. <laughs> Vinny Chase. <laughs> That's my boy. What if you made Vinny Chase <laughs> Secretary of the Interior? Oh, God. Oh, fuck. It's possible. Oh. Medellin, get in the cabinet. Medellin, baby. All right. Uh, uh. So, desperate to reignite the spark in their crumbling relationship, Aaron Paul and Emily Ratajkowski. Yeah, I don't believe that rent, at all. <laughs> rent a beautiful romantic no, villa they don't. in the Italian countryside using a home sharing website called Welcome Home. <sighs> oh, this is an Airbnb horror movie, which is something I oh, pitched. Oh, man. I wanted to write oh, this Oh, my movie. God. Did you know that there's a fucking drone horror movie coming out? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine worked on this. And there was a it drone, like, Ethan Hawke movie. terrible. No, no, it's not okay. even the Ethan Hawke. They couldn't afford Ethan Hawke. <laughs> it's literally a movie where, like, drones are, like, breaking into people's houses with knives and stuff. like. It just looks fucking what? garbage. Do they know what drones are? <laughs> <laughs> Bad. That's crazy. Even. Oh man, horror movies are like bad horror movies are being made faster than we can keep track of them. Like there is no meaningful is measure. I know. Every, week. Every I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know either. Uh, but so soon after settling in, uh, Emily Ratajkowski befriends a guy, the kind handsome stranger who lives down the street. Okay. Uh, Aaron Paul's instantly threatened by his good looks and charm. <laughs> And she becomes upset by his jealousy, and then the new guy uses the jealousy to manipulate the couple into turning against each other, and they find themselves caught in a sexy, voyeuristic, and increasingly dangerous game of cat and mouse where they discover the person you love the most maybe the person you can trust the least. Yeah, the fun thing about that description is I believe every sentence of it could actually happen. Right, and uh, <laughs> my idea for Airbnb... Speaking of, okay, I'm, I'm, I was going to say, it's different, and I'm going <laughs> to keep on keeping different. on. But uh, speaking of uh, movies based on apps... There, here comes the Uber ride from hell movie oh called End God. End Trip. What is wrong with us? In one timeline, Brandon, a likable rideshare driver, Shut up. spends an evening charming a passenger, Ugh. Judd, for a five-star rating and a hefty tip. In the other timeline, Brandon arrives home after his long shift and clams into bed with his girlfriend, Steph. Steph screams. Steph He's not Brandon. An, Steph smells with an F, by the Just way. Just one F. <laughs> That's not yeah, how you insane. spell that at all. Uh, the rideshare <laughs> with Judd continues. <laughs> Growing creepier by the mile as Brandon forces Steph to play his girlfriend. The two timelines come together in a shocking twist and Steph must fight for her life against a ruthless serial killer preying upon a city full of people. So again, if you have to explain the twist, I know the synopsis, they, I was just going to say the movie is the not f- worth watching. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. Just like, hang on. Stay tuned, guys. It's about to get good. That's literally what this should say. It's just so I, these are all pitches this. that you know I've jotted down in notebooks being like, what would sell? Exactly. And it's these exactly. movies. Exactly. And they're doing this them. This fucking garbage gets made for like $25 every fucking year, and it's a, a very upsetting. Okay. Ugh. Another thing surprisingly out of con also oh is that... Oh, boy. Grand, is, it, is it surprising? <laughs> uh, Sylvester Stallone has announced there, or like the studio announced, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're seeking financing or whatever for Rambo 5, uh, um, which if you remember Rambo, I guess, 4, it came out in 2008... And it was a h- very, very violent movie that involved the deaths of tons of innocent well, people Well, mostly what children. it involved is Sylvester Stallone's bad knees not allowing him to run around. Yeah, so he, he was climbs n- a truck and shoots people to pieces. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, funny side note there. Uh, I was at Bonnaroo one year, uh, and uh, Doug Benson does uh, movie screenings oh, there, sure. the interruptions. Right, right, right. And he didn't. He thought it would be fun to do an interruption of Rambo, and it's about 15 minutes in when he realizes, and he it became very funny. But he was just like, "This was a horrible choice." <laughs> it's just like we're all sitting there, probably on drugs, at a music festival, just watching like native people get mowed Murder. down, and we're just like, 
Is this going to get funny at some point? Because every comic hadn't seen it. It was just watching it like, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very funny. It's like everybody's at, <laughs> Andy Samberg on Brooklyn Nine-Nine going, oh, my God, you killed him. Like, yeah, yeah oh, right? That's yeah. amazing. Um, okay, so Dude, the plot S- of – Stallone Stallone is the funniest man in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, I just have to say that. He's 5'2". <laughs> little brother so he is writing working on the script and may direct it he's I'm working on this script <laughs> he's working uh, on blow it. people to pieces uh. <laughs> pages <laughs> one through ten my friend Tucker's impression of Sylvester Sloan is as follows and it's the funniest thing I've ever heard I've directed more movies than I've seen and it's true <laughs> <laughs> that's very true it's- uh, in the fifth episode of the franchise, when the daughter of one of his friends is kidnapped... Rambo doesn't have any friends! It's built into the character! He's a crazy vet with PTSD who murders people for a hobby! So Scout's already found a plot hole <laughs> in Rambo. Work. Rambo doesn't have friends! Uh, Rambo, who has been working on a ranch... <laughs> no, he hasn't! <laughs> doesn't the, doesn't the last one end like that? Like, it's like him like in some like secluded area? I don't know. <laughs> he's already, he was a fucking... He was a boat captain. Yeah. What do you mean he's working on a ranch? <laughs> <laughs> he sold the boat to buy a ranch? Where is he fucking That's live? the That's the spinoff movie that'll happen in between. Uh, so Rambo crosses the U.S.-Mexico border. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. And quickly finds himself up against the full might of Mexico's most violent oh, cartels. No. So it's Rambo versus cartels. So joining the presidential race <laughs> right well this sounds more like Look this, this is different I'll garbage in a second. Oh um, but uh it's sicario <laughs> i was gonna say it, it's sicario like they just Ram-cario. especially it looks like sicario too oh my to god Cario, if you will dave the soldado <laughs> yeah they changed the name from sicario <laughs> to soldado to sicario colon Day of the Soldado. I was on the film stage, so they kept saying Day of the Soldado. And I'm like, did they change the name of this movie they to did. Dave the Soldado? <laughs> yeah. Have you met Dave? <laughs> He's a soldado. He's one of the soldados. He here. loves murdering um, Mexicans in the streets. And I just wanted to get into uh, what Rambo was going to be. Oh, I remember this. That's right. So he bef- was going to fight the wolf man. Yeah. Or something. He was going to fight. like a, that. Remember that Mark Dacascos movie? Like I think it's called Species or something like that. Oh, dude. Subspecies. Do I remember Species? Not, n- not Species. Not Natasha Not Hens- Natasha Henstridge. Is Mark Dacascos is in the jungle fighting a man in a suit monster. I don't think I saw that. Fair enough. Nobody did. It was like a direct... <laughs> st- I saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel in, I want to say, 1998. It is okay. not a well-liked movie. That's just <laughs> what it made me think of, regardless. Sure. Continue. Uh, so Rambo 5 was... Okay, so back in 2009, one year after the release of Rambo, uh, they uh, New Image and Millennium announced another installment of the franchise, which is said to be placing the title character in a whole new genre. Initial reports indicated it'd essentially be a sci-fi film set in the Pacific Northwest and centered on a top-secret military operation to create super soldiers. Naturally, things go very wrong, and Rambo comes in to clean up the mess. Stallone himself, however, soon clarified that the plot synopsis for what he was being referred to as Rambo 5, The Savage Hunt, was was rather than being a universal soldier-type movie, as websites are reporting, Stallone cleared the air and revealed that The Savage Hunt was going to be more of a predator movie. He said... Yeah, you can't have you can't let Schwarzenegger have his own thing just yeah, for one sure. time. <laughs> let me try to do my impression of him. It's not a universal soldier. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me fighting a super soldier. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Bobcat. I'm like it. having a stroke. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's actually a feral beast. It's a thing. It's this amalgamation of fury and intelligence and pure unadulterated rage. It's before men became human. Oh my god. <laughs> this is when they were still inhuman. And so w- 
what Rambo confronts is something that is everyone's nightmare, but in no sense of the word was he going to go against the Dolph Lundgren to Jean-Claude Van Damme super soldier. He's going against a feral beast that has absolute cunning and intelligence and a will to survive that is only matched by Rambo. This is, this is fucking priceless. Yeah. This is a <laughs> fictional fucking character, and Stallone still has the pride in him as if he was him himself. Like I love the idea that Stallone has confused his own fucking fictional character to talk <laughs> about a, com- a similarly fictional monster. And he's just like, it's the smartest fucking creature in a galaxy. <laughs> But the only <laughs> thing that could possibly offer credible competition is me. My character. With my bandana. <laughs> my character from a series of movies. <laughs> like, are you out of your mind, you dumb idiot? Uh, and he said that's what makes it uniquely different. It's not uniquely different. Man's conscience fighting in his dark, dangerous, uncontrolled. Shut up. Uncontrollable subconscious. Very similar to the Forbidden Planet. Will you stop? It is not like Forbidden Planet. When the doctor couldn't control his mind and his subconscious took over. over It's your worst nightmare. You're battling your primitive self. Oh, shut up. So that didn't happen. Uh, And then our our friend of the show, Patrick Bryce, director of Creep and Creep 2, is in pre-production on a comedy with elements of horror called Corporate Animals. Uh And it's going to star Sharon Stone and Ed Helms and Jessica Williams. I'm always there for Sharon Stone, and I'm newly always there for Jessica Williams, even though that movie she made last year was very bad. The incredible Jessica. I didn't watch it, but I like her too. Uh, Sharon Stone is an egotistical megalomaniac CEO of Incredible Edibles, America's premier provider of edible cutlery. In her infinite wisdom, Lucy leads her staff, including her long suffering assistants, Freddie and Jess, on a corporate team building. Uh, caving weekend to New Mexico when disaster strikes not even their useless guide at Helms can save them <laughs> trapped underground by a cave-in this mismatched and disgruntled group must pull together in order to survive amidst sensual tension Ooh. startling business revelations and casual cannibalism casual Freddie and Jess emerge from Lucy's shadow hilarious and sometimes shocking I am a big fan of Patrick Bryce and he's a very nice guy so I'm well pulling then. for him rooting for him rooting for him and good luck we have to move on to uh, just more news non- <laughs> Jesus Stop fucking news. Christ. What's happen in a goddamn week? Non con news. Uh, this is just, this is all the news from the past two weeks that we may have missed because we had a cult one off episode. So I'm just going to barrel through, but we'll talk about the ones you want to talk about. No, no, it's fine. Uh, the trailer for Predator I'm came out. I'm excited to shit about watch this. It? It's very good. I okay. love Shane Black. Love Shane Black I as still well. still like problematic fave Olivia Munn. Dude, okay. So Olivia Munn for me. <laughs> I said we're gonna do no tangents immediately. I'm like, first <laughs> tangent. First tangent. Olivia Munn. How much time do you have? My first Take crush on TV, probably. Tell me about it. Uh, I mean, it was just G4, Attack Ugh. of the Show. Her I and didn't watch fucking Attack of the Kevin show. Perara. Well, Fuck you. Stay away from my girl. I remember that. Like, honestly, like somebody. I remember deliberately. Like, she got a job on the Daily Show. I had no idea who she was. And somebody did was like, she? Yeah, she did. She was on the Daily Show for for um, a like season. John Stewart. Yeah, like era. John Stewart era Daily Show. They hired her. There was an actually. A 30 Rock episode about Olivia Munn being hired on The Daily Show, which is kind of hilarious. Regardless, um, somebody We're gonna go up on so many tangents. Some <laughs> article was like, "Who's Olivia Munn?" Well, here's a clip of her eating a hot dog on a string from the on Attack of the Show. Like, oh, okay, never. Mind. Now you get it. Now I get it. You get why I was fully involved. In, Most recently, her. Olivia Munn was at the fucking Met Gala saying what a fan she was of the Crusades. <laughs> oh, I know. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the tweet was like. Uh, she's wearing this dress because she's a huge she's fan of the Crusades. Fan of the I was Crusades. like, excuse me? I was like, I'm a big fan of the Holocaust. Like, so is there I a movie named the Crusades that I don't know about? Oh, yeah. man. Oh, brother. I just, I, I can't help but love her. She's just so lovable. But, like, man almighty, she needs to fire everybody Basically, around her. My take on her is I was a, she was like, I was a huge crush on her, just like gorgeous woman on television. And then uh, the stories I would hear about her were 
I think she dated Aaron Rodgers for a while. She sure did. Before that, I think I, she didn't. Well, it, it later came uh, hashtag Me Tooed about Brett Ratner. I thought that oh. she was like slutty with Brett Ratner. And it turns out, of course, he was he just was manipul- being very yeah, gross well, with her. So all this horrible shit. So uh, good for her. She's in this movie. Uh, no, Jacob, this is Jacob Tremblay of Room. Of Room. The and, terrible, uh, terrible Room. And uh, what? Uh, Henry? Uh, Book of Henry and Book oh of Henry. Is he God. in that? He's in Phil that. Phil right? Modi, Book of Henry. That's correct. Yeah. No, I will say, I Olivia Munn, you're terrific, and I really hope that this reopens the case of your acting career because I think that Dude, it deserves. She was in Apocalypse. She's X-Men amazing. And did nothing. Honestly, thought, well, that yeah. movie is a fucking disgusting she, joke she, directed by another she, goddamn pervert. She has done very little for me in she, film. I, well, that's the problem. And I wish honestly, she would. Some somebody is tapping her on the shoulder and saying, "Wouldn't you like to have a thankless role in a bunch of bullshit?" And she's just like, yeah, I guess. Like, honestly, Olivia, you deserve better. I have scripts for you to read is what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. It's mostly just the re, uh, resh- reshooting. The reshooting. Re- reshooting your uh, hot oh dog eating on <laughs> Attack of the no. Show. I'm horrible. Oh, you're blowing this. There's going to be a <laughs> me too about you soon, Brett. <laughs> uh, we, break, we, we, we break into this podcast to inform Hang you. Hang on, I'm getting a, I'm putting I'm my getting finger a to my ear. My, somebody's talking to so my ear right now. <laughs> All right, so Predator, uh, Predator I believe the trailer, the CinemaCon trailer disappointed some people. Well, this fuck trailer, them. This, this quick great. little one-minute trailer was fine. It was so It gets fun. the job done. It looks like Jacob Tremblay is playing with a toy, and then the toy brings the Predators to Right, Earth. exactly. Somebody mailed him a Predator head or something yeah. like that. Regardless, I will say, uh, unfortunately, my good friend John Sem... I'm saying good friend. I've never met him, but he's my hero. John Semley said that Shane Black is basically just Deadpool, and it's tough oh, to disagree with that, but also, like, I He's like, ah, chimichangas, Christmas. I I still Whatever. love him. I'm sorry. No, I, I love Shane Black. Kiss Goodnight is amazing. I love. I mean, I love that movie Black. too. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a Kiss is Kiss Bang Bang is great. Iron Man Three, it. one of the only good Marvel movies. Shane Black is a public good, and I uh, get the nice why guys. people don't like him. The nice guys. Hello. Here we go. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Stephen King and Joe Hills in the Tall Grass, headed for Netflix. Good for fucking them. Yeah, in 2015, I believe. Uh, oh, it's Vincenzo Nicolai? Yeah, uh, uh, Vert, no, Vincenzo uh, Natale. Vincenzo, yeah, Vincenzo Natale, who did Cube and Splice. Splice is great. Uh, who also just directed the pilot for a TV show for Tremors. Oh. I got, it's not happening. Oh. But he did direct it, what? and apparently it's good. Yeah, Kevin Bacon's in it. And I thought Fred Ward was in it. I it think he might back. be, and they, they did not go to series What's with it. What's the matter with America? I know, but God they did just do... It. At the same time, a new Tremors movie is out on DVD, yeah, if, that's your, if that's your hell, thing. Yeah, Michael Gross, and I'm sure it's very good. Uh, so In the Tall Grass is a brutal piece of short fiction. Uh, despite its absence from the official film program here at Con, Netflix continues to move forward in its feature-building slate. A deal has closed from The Tall Grass, a novella written by Stephen King and his son. Uh, Westworld's James Marsden. I don't know how they call J- Westworld. Is if it's like, yeah, right you don't know him from He's other stuff. He's literally been acting since 1995. Isn't he... I guy and yes, X-Men. he was in the fucking I guy. Ag- I Cyclops. Guy. That's what they call him. I guy. <laughs> you know, I guy. I, I, was, guy. <laughs> I was just pointing to my eyes and I said, I guy. For the Jesus. listeners, he literally tapped his one eye twice. <laughs> Wasn't he I guy? I'm sorry. Oh no, it's fucking perfect because that's exactly the level of detail that you need to approach X Men, which is a bunch of horse shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, the logline for this is: After hearing so a young funny. boy's cry for help, a sister and brother venture into the vast field of grass this in is Kansas. This is just fucking children of the corn. Yeah, but soon discover that there may be no way out. Shut the uh, fuck up. You know, fans, I am down for that. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. keep watching that. Uh, I wanted to. We always bring up Movie Pass oh on here God, what are they because fucking I've had now? it for four years and I've been talking about it for who, four years. Who called? Who called Movie Pass? I think it was. Um, oh fuck. Uh, 
God damn it. Somebody was calling it the, the fire festival of subscription services. Oh, for services. sure. Well, it's always been clear that like this, they're going to run out of money, and it's going to just... Jake Cole. Jake Cole, I think, okay. called it the fire festival. It's anyway. going to just fall apart. Of so course. the latest news is that in a filing last Tuesday, the company that uh, owns the majority of MoviePass, Helios and Matheson, reported that they just they have $15.5 million cash on hand. Uh, and the and they've been going through twenty one a month, twenty one million a month Good on Movie Pass, and it has uh twenty seven point nine million on deposit. So, so this basically, shit is about to fucking vanish. It's about to vanish because they don't They're have money, the money. It was a stupid fucking unsupportable business model. It was an unsupportable business model, but they all knew going in. They all knew this was gonna happen. They're like, yeah, we're gonna run out of money, but the idea is we keep getting more and more oh, uh, subscribers, God. and nope. eventually it'll nope. be fine. Nope. Um, I don't think. It'll get there. Honestly, this is like the fucking gondola to Dodger Stadium. Like, the, like this is just like, like close your eyes and pray it works. Fucking like, like did Frank McCourt come up with fucking? Movie I'm just pass? gonna say their their stock when I bought it was at two or three dollars. Uh, I got lucky and it it peaked at like thirty and I got out and I made a bunch of money. How much? Uh, <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Like fifteen grand in like, oh a, in like a week. Oh my god! Dude. In like a week. That's amazing. In like a week. It oh. was a it was a few days of just madness. My friend was like, "Get on this." I did it, and then he was like, "Get out of this." And I was like, "Okay." Okay. And now it's at under a dollar. Ah! <laughs> so Jesus, that's amazing. So if you, I'm so happy to hear that so somebody much. made out from MoviePass because yeah. the American people sure didn't. Well, I mean, the American <laughs> people are until they're not. Right. Exactly. And like in a minute, nobody's gonna be able to go to the fucking movies. I'm gonna be sad because somebody's gonna show up for fucking. Iron Man 4 and be like, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so Movie Pass, uh, keep keep your eye on it. It might disappear. Uh, the Unlimited thing is back, even though for a second it was back to four a month. Now it's back to Unlimited. Uh, they also sent me an email this week telling me that if I send it to friends, they all get a month free. So, like, they're still trying, and I just don't know what their model is going to be from here on for uh, going forward. Word. I think if they were smart, I mean, they'll keep the people like me. If huh. They were at once $50 a month and I was paying for it. Like, for me, as someone who goes yeah, constantly, I mean, it's worth I, it. Absolutely. But so if they raise it, to, they, they could double it. They could triple it, and I would still do it. Sure. So we'll see, how, we'll see what happens. The, the problem, I think, is that ultimately they, they, they have – They're going to end up changing the industry. Of I course hope. they are. Well, they, yeah. they've tapped they into – They kind of have. They, of course. And they have tapped into a thing that people want, which is a way to make the fucking outlandish goddamn box office prices – easier to afford oh yeah and that's definitely well in new york somebody, it's like ridiculous oh my it's Christ. like if you ha if you go once in new you york get you're fucking paying for dental yourself. surgery for cheaper than you oh, can yeah. see fucking avengers infinity war speaking of i'm getting my teeth pulled tomorrow hey hey Help me. oh my god it was in teeth <laughs> yeah you, you how old are you i'm 26 26 and they still haven't taken them no they keep they've for years and years been like if they start bothering you, we'll take them. But until then, we sh we're not going to do it. And then now they're not bothering me still. But he's like, okay, it's time. All right. Ask f for the thing that puts you to sleep. Oh, for sure. I'm not going to be awake for this. I, I, I took off work tomorrow. Here's a fun, I'm, here's I'm a fun horror-themed horror tangent. Um, I am. Uh, I have built up, for whatever reason, a tolerance to most anesthetics. Get the fuck out of here. Seriously. You're not going to have a horror story of being performed on so i uh, went in to uh, they were gonna take my wisdom teeth script. out just <laughs> they, they were gonna take my wisdom teeth out just at the dentist's office and i said absolutely not you guys whenever you stab me with your fucking novocaine pens it hurts like a motherfucker and i still feel everything you do i'm paying money to make sure that i don't feel this they was that like like this thing like yeah the, yeah the, they brought the me to well, no, no no here's the thing nah, they, nah. I, that's what i thought they were gonna do they brought me to a whole other office they made me pay 250 extra fucking dollars and I go there, and I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be awake for this. Like, they were about to start, and I said, no. I, like, screamed at them like it was a board meeting. 
like I was fucking Keith or Sutherland <laughs> ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that Professor Brother sketch? Anyway, uh, um, <laughs> I so I said no. You're gonna put me to sleep. So they put me like they stabbed me in the arm with some form of like uh, Novocaine or whatever, and I'm asleep. But then the only thing that happens is I'm asleep for about mm, eight seconds, and then I can see the surgery from the end of a long hallway, and I feel everything they're doing to me. The strangest nope. out-of-body experience I've ever had. Nope. Because the anesthetics only worked in as much as they put me about eight feet away. But I could still feel it, and I saw it. It was really strange and very discomforting. And uh, I hated every second of it. So make sure that you spring for whatever it is that makes you yeah, not feel I'm it. I'm going to slip the, the doctor a fiver. That's right. <laughs> like, help me out. Do you know my friend, uh, my associate, Dr. Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> he would like me to not remember this surgery. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I just read about this remake of Pet Yeah, Cemetery. so more Stephen King news. John Lithgow has been cast to play Judd Crandall in the remake of Pet Cemetery. Uh, that's all I have to say. Written. Jason, Jason Clark is also in it, who fucking crushed it in, in Winchester. Winchester. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to this because the writer, um, uh, David, the writer, is also the uh, uh, EP and creator and writer of The Terror. So we'll come back to this. Oh, great. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows amazing movie has we were talked about how there's multiple projects about it there is a new zealand based tv show called wellington paranormal that follows the bumbling cops coming out there is a sequel to the movie called werewolves that's in the works and now fx has officially ordered 10 episodes of what we do in the shadows for american television and it will be set in new york city yeah set in nyc and it will follow three vampires who have been roommates for hundreds and hundreds of years um, and while Taika and Jemaine are not starring in it, they are all behind the scenes. The, the the sense of humor will be, I believe, maintained. It'll be the same type which of thing. Is the and they're, I think part. they're, I think they probably made the pilot, uh, which is a thing that was clearly good enough to be brought to series. Right. So excited well, for smart that, guys. I mean, they made Thor, which was like they took something that was. I mean, hitherto, basically, like, like quality proof, yeah. and they made something good out of it. So. Yeah, Thor uh, Ragnarok is very fun. Ragnarok is um, fun. And I just want to mention that Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski have been expelled from the Academy, but I also want to note oh, that, the, no. that the Academy gave Polanski nominations since his exile. Yeah. So it's real gross and weird. And to this I love that. I love that. It's like being in the middle of sex with somebody and, like, trying to berate them for yeah. shoplifting. <laughs> How uh, dare you do this? My favorite thing about the expulsions from the Academy, there are four. Let's list four of them. Bill Cosby, just happened. Roman Polanski, just happened. Harvey Weinstein, just, just happened. happened. Then in 2004, Carmine Caridi was kicked out for leaking screeners. Oh, my God. I remember this. Yes. It's the only time. At the time, Carmine it was the only person. Caridi. I haven't heard that name in fucking years. You're smoking a cigarette? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of me as a crab smoking a cigarette. <laughs> no, Jesus, I remember all this. This was the fucking. This was around Cold Mountain Day, is when when Weinstein was fucking like yeah. barred from the Academy for that year because he sent people like VHS copies, thousands of dollars worth of gifts to get them a fucking Best Picture nomination for Cold Mountain, one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> I like when he was talked interviewed by the Hollywood Reporter back back then. Carmen Caridi looks like. I mean, Jesus, look at him. He looks like the fucking ringleader in Straw Dogs. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a murderer. He said, let me tell you something. Everybody does it, okay? <laughs> I was doing the guy a favor, and he screwed me. Like, He's just Giuliani. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was kind of numb, Caridi says. All my relatives and friends were crying. I was going up with a girl in Hudson, and I went up there and just cried my eyes I think, out. I think that was about him being cut from The Godfather. <laughs> 
and not about him being expelled from the academy. Oh, my God. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's the thing that happened. They didn't have time for my corruption story. What is this? <laughs> oh, forget you about it. You have a very it. good accent. Thank that. you very um, much. Uh, so, Platinum... Platinum. Why did I say platinum? I looked at the word platform and I platform. said platinum. platinum. Swamp Thing. Oh, the DC uh, Universe James character. James Wan just needs to quit. I'm James sorry. James Wan is doing... You need to go away, so sir. <laughs> you need to I'm gonna let stop him, what you're I'm letting doing. him talk, but I'm not happy about no, it. I know. Everybody I like James Wan. James Wan. Generally, I do. I'm not a fan of his Fast and Furious movie. I don't, I'm not a fan of his anything. I like a his... single fucking frame of footage I enjoy. Boo. Ugh. That aside, anyway. he is making Swamp Thing uh, a TV show, it's and it's suck. it's going to be written it's by Mark suck. Verheiden and Gary Doberman. Gary Doberman recently just did It, and is the sequel to It. Oh, fun! Uh, and Mark Verheiden did Battlestar Galactica and Daredevil. James Wan is it Netflix is, Daredevil. I believe so. It would have to be right. Yeah, <laughs> There's would, no way they're they hiring anybody from that. <laughs> it was like yeah. Um, so the drama follows what happens when CDC researcher Abby Arcane. Returns to her child at home of Homa, Louisiana, in order to investigate a deadly swamp-borne virus. There, she develops a surprising bond with scientist Alec Holland, only to have him tragically taken from her. But his powerful forces descend on Homa, intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes. Abby will discover that the swamp holds mystical secrets, both horrifying and wondrous, and the potential love of her life may be gone after all. So if you remember, there was a swamp thing in 1982 made by Wes Craven that people liked. People, it was from a weird period in Wes Craven's career. I don't think Wes knew what kind of a filmmaker he wanted to be, honestly. I think that, like, because... It was uh, early-ish. Well, yeah. You know, for him, I guess. It was, it was. Mid, and, mid and he hadn't... I, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is the first time that I think he really comes into his own visually as a filmmaker. I think that um, uh, Hills Have Eyes... Benefit that's two years later. That's correct, in 1984. Yeah. So Swamp Thing is in this weird aesthetic netherworld that he's in. He makes uh, Invitation to Hell, I believe, the same year with Susan Lucci, which is a lot of fun. Um, and um, he makes a another TV movie with Linda Blair, whose name I never remember. Regardless, I think the, the, the thing with Wes Craven is I think if he had an idea, it didn't matter that he didn't know what to do with the camera yet, that he hadn't found a cinematographer who I think could be productive for him. So, like, um, Last House, obviously very bluntly effective in its yeah. kind of crudeness. Uh, Hills Have Eyes, I think, uh, o overcomes even those limitations to be a, a complete classic. That's a very cutthroat and beautiful movie. Um, it's very bleak in its kind of deserty way. And then I think he spends most of the 80s trying to discover who he is. And he makes uh, Last House, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is interesting because I, I don't think he learns from it right away. I mean, I think he's in debt because he makes Hills Have Eyes 2, which is one of the worst films ever made, and he goes yeah, on record bad. as saying, I was broke, I would have made Godzilla Goes to Paris. Would love to have seen Wes Craven's Same. Godzilla Goes to Paris. Everybody says that when they hear that quote because <laughs> yeah. that is just true. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I forget what yeah, point Swamp we're making. Thing. Swamp Thing, right. So Swamp, Swamp Thing, thing. Swamp thing uh, he just wasn't aesthetically ready to make a comic book movie. He tries to make it the kind of you know action film he was making at that time vis-a-vis -vis Deadly Blessing and Hills Have Eyes. Um, and he just can't do it because the material doesn't support what he's capable of. And then it became a TV series in the 90s. That's correct. On USA. That's and right. then it became an animated series on Fox. And now, yeah, James Wan is doing it. And I'm pretty, isn't that Alan Moore comic? 
Swamp Thing? Yeah. yeah I so think he had a hand in it at some point. Yeah. I, I don't know that he created it. He might have. Yeah, I don't know if he created it either. But, but I he know definitely that wrote people, issues people of People Swamp really thing, liked yes. Alan Moore's Swamp yeah. Thing. So this is exciting if you're a fan of Juan or Swamp Thing or DC shit. Oh, I have to keep moving on. Uh, Hulu. It, Hulu has a horror series called Into the Dark. It's from Blumhouse. That should be good. And they're basically... It's more like a movie of the month club. So they're premiering one episode a month for the whole year. And they're going to be like holiday themed or whatever, ep- like monthly themed. So the first episode called The Body will come out October 5th. Uh, fitting with the series theme, each episode is inspired by a holiday from the months of its release. The debut episode is set on Halloween night and tackles selfie culture in Los Angeles. The Body follows a sophisticated, overconfident hitman who always carries out his work in style. Not a fan already. <laughs> a lot of hitman content lately. Yeah, I don't uh, care for it. <laughs> he decides to take things even further one day by transporting his latest victim in plain sight, correctly assuming that self-absorbed L.A. partiers will simply be enamored with his elaborate costume. Eventually, as this window of opportunity close, uh, to dispose of the body begins to close, his true colors reveal themselves to some groupies that have latched onto him. It becomes a battle of will and wits. Uh, so the body will be the first. Episode two will be flesh and blood. Um, a doting father trying to help his daughter, Kimberly, a teenager suffering from agoraphobia who has not left the house since her mother's still unsolved murder. murder directed by Patrick Lussier of uh, Patrick my fucking <laughs> by My Bloody Valentine 3D. <laughs> Um, it's cool. Didn't he edit fucking Dracula 3000 or something like that? I think like, he did do that. Oh 2000, right? Oh, my God. 3000? You know, uh, I think you're right about that. He did direct Dracula 2000. He was Wes Craven's editor for a very long right. time. And then that somehow said to somebody, oh, yeah, you definitely need more Give this control. guy a horror movie. Give this guy a camera. He's got stories to tell. <laughs> so, good for Blumhouse, good for Hulu. I will absolutely be watching this Into the Dark series. Uh, speaking of that, Castle, Castle Rock. I'm actually excited about this. this. Is the one Stephen King thing. This always happens. There's 48 Stephen King movies, and one of them is good. And this is the one thing I'm excited about because Andre Holland and Melanie Linsky, baby. I didn't even realize Melanie Linsky. There she, she is. is in and this series. Sissy Spacey. Sissy. Uh, July 25th. Because she's in fucking Carrie. First three episodes come out July 25th. I'm so excited. So keep a look out for that. J.J. Abrams JJ. produces. Super uh, 8 is good. Alejandro Aja and oh Sam Raimi are teaming up for a Paramount horror thriller called Crawl. I feel like this will be bad based on their uh, their their sensibilities these days. Aha. Aja. Aja. He's behind. Like the Steely Dan album. Yes. We all know uh, Hills of Eyes remake. Uh, 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 Which I don't High hate. Tension was this big High one. High Tension, I don't like. Hills Piranha of Eyes, 3D, I, I like. actually think is fun. I don't like I that didn't, at all. I didn't see Horns. Horns is it's bad. bad as fuck. It looks bad. It's so bad. I have the novelization or the book that it's based on, but it has like Joe the, Hill, the right? post- it came, movie came out, so it has Daniel oh, Radcliffe God. on the cover. That's it's very funny. That's like when they put James Franco on, on the fucking book covers of As I Lay Dying. Oh, Jesus Hilarious. Christ. Crawl centers on a young woman who, while struggling to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane, Kay. finds herself trapped inside a flooding house and fighting for her life against Florida's most savage and feared predators. Does that mean people? Does that mean uh, animals? I think it's like the men who go to 7-Eleven? Who knows? Yeah, Florida man. Florida man. This <laughs> is uh, <laughs> five Florida man. So it sounds like Aja... <laughs> Is directing. This and is like so. This is the one thing. Ramey I just like, seems to be did, producing. Uh, let me let me just like pose this rhetorical to the audience. Did anybody see the Ninth Life of Louis Drax? The answer is no. No. So Aja is returning to the well that once uh, he drank deep from, which is hillbillies do violent things. Yeah. Um, and it's probably gonna be better than half of the shit he's made so far. Uh, like mirrors. 
Well, Mirrors isn't hillbillies. Mirrors, no. <laughs> Mirrors was a nightmare. Mirrors stars Jack Bauer. Fucking so bad. Um, Fox canceled a bunch of stuff this week. He including kidnaps a nun at gunpoint in that movie. Do you remember that? At nun point? Nun point! Sorry. Oh, I had to. Nun point. Uh, so Fox canceled everything this week, including... <laughs> <laughs> Fox canceled everything! Fox uh, canceled American Life this week. Yeah, so uh, including well, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which was just saved by NBC, and we're very excited about it. Yes, indeed. Uh, Last Man on Earth, great which is great. And Lucifer. So basically the news for horror fans, The Exorcist has been canceled for season two, and Lucifer, I believe, oh is canceled no. after season oh three. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Yeah, I don't really care. I tried to watch Who it. wasn't a fan. Who fucking cares? But I like Rachel Harris. She needs to get a better This headline job. made me laugh, though. Fox has ordered Mark Paul Gosselaar's vampire pilot. You know, the guy from Saved by the Bell? <laughs> Paul Gosselaar. Yeah. Holy so shit. So, in addition to canceling stuff, Fox also was ordered... He, who was he on Saved by the Bell? He um, was... Um, he's one of the main dudes. He I was, he was, forget he his name. He has to be Zach Morris, doesn't I he? I think he is Zach Morris. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought he was on Starsky and Hutch, but I think I'm getting that wrong. Is that Zach Morris? Zach Morris? Yeah, uh, it's Zach Morris. It's Zach Morris, guys. I know this because I only know who well, Mark, Mark Paul Gosselaar is because, because I sat next to him at uh, a Meltdown comedy show once. And my friend was like, that's Zach Morris. And I'm like, I literally don't care. Mark Mark Gosselaar, I, I, I know he's made bad movies. Like, I have to find this out now. I'm sorry. I'll be Googling for the next 30 seconds. Okay, I'll read about yet. his, his project. Please do. So this is, uh, Fox has ordered The Passage to series, a vampire show they shot a pilot for last year. It stars Mark Paul Gloss, Gosselaar. And The Passage is an epic character-driven thriller about a secret government medical facility experimenting with a dangerous virus that could either cure all disease or cause the down downfall of human race. <laughs> you know, one of those. Yeah. The series focuses on you a 10-year-old girl who was chosen to be the test subject for this experiment, and Mark Paul Gosler, the federal agent who becomes her <laughs> surrogate father, then she tries to protect oh her. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, no, Mark Park Osler, I thought he had a more interesting career than he has. No, I don't think he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's in Dead Man on Campus, Yeah, so can't take that away from Remember him. that movie oh from my God, 1997 or something? Twister. I saw that on Sci-Fi. Yeah, it's a great Hilarious. movie. Hilarious. Still a ride Holy at Universal fuck, he was Studios. on John from Cincinnati. All right, well, that's Canceled HBO shows. genuinely impressive, written yeah. by my favorite gambling addict, David Milch. That's right. Uh, Tarantino news. Once uh, upon a time. In <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, cast is shaping up. Burt Reynolds, Tim Roth, Kurt Russell, Michael Madsen were added. We already knew about Leonard. Leonard. Leonardo Leonard. DiCaprio. Leonard DiCaprio. Leonard DiCaprio. You know that guy. <laughs> yeah. And Brad Pitt. Leonard. Uh, Margot Robbie has officially confirmed she's playing Sharon, Sharon Tate. Tate, and now Tim Oliphant is in talks. Can we just like lure all these people onto a spaceship and launch them into the ether if they think this is a good <laughs> idea? I love Kurt Russell, and I love Tim Oliphant. I'm I, I'm a fan of Margot Robbie for the most part, but it's just like this could not be a more tone deaf idea. I know it doesn't sound great, and the timing is bad. This is gonna. I swear to Christ, this is gonna end with like. Fucking some attorney, like like district attorney, turning to the camera and saying, "Well, it's a good thing I went out on a high note." Like I just like this is about him and his fucking ego. That now we know he's a fucking piece of shit who almost killed Uma Thurman. No, he has to make another movie. We did talk about that last time. I we think. did, yeah. and I just like I just love this. Where when he fucking released Django and Hateful Eight, he was like, "Maybe I'll just become a guy who writes about Django movies in fucking paperback novel form or whatever." And then they were like, "Oh, actually, you're a sexist piece of shit." And he's like, "I should probably make one more movie." Like, like I, I got one more in me, and I maybe a Star Wars, a Star Trek movie. Hate 
this man. I hate what he's putting us through. I'm so fucking over this guy's own inflated opinion of his fucking legacy. Just, like, let us sort it out. You don't have to fucking step in every single time there's some new piece of news about you and your fucking despicable practices. Like, just go away for ten minutes and make us let us make up our own mind about you. Like, why do you have to constantly step in? This is why critics exist, and you don't understand this, even though you want to be one of us, because you want to write fucking books about, you know, Django and the yeah, Great right. Silence or whatever. Like, you are making this so hard on us, and I love Pulp Fiction, but I don't know that I can ever watch it again because of all the shit you've put us through in the last fucking ten years. I need you to calm down and go away for a minute. Anyway. Well said. I think he will. We'll, we'll see if he goes away. After his we'll quote, tenth film. Um, yeah, so tenth film. Give me a fucking shout break. out to all my tulip fever heads out there, because <laughs> we got Justin Chadwick, yeah, the babe. man behind Tulip Fever, is bringing a horror movie called Dead House, set in 1885 Pennsylvania. The film follows Annalise. Hey, I'm from there. 1885 Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The film follows Annalise Kruger, no relation, who. <laughs> <laughs> Who, after witnessing the brutal slaughter of her husband and children, oh finds employment in the confines of the town's dead house, a morbid dwelling where bodies are kept for 48 hours to make certain they have passed. But any semblance of normalcy is shattered when Annalise sleuths out the psychopath who killed her family. Driven to save other families from her fate, she will have to catch a killer herself if she can stay alive. Sounds cool. Shudder catches a glimpse at the witch in the window. So basically, Shudder... Mm-hmm. Uh, the streaming service, which we have had the of creator course, on. He's a great guy, Joe oh, Zimmerman. I well, I mean, they, they did the movie that we're going to talk about in, yes, let's say, three hours. Sh- shutter really. <laughs> Jesus we Christ. We haven't even mentioned that we're going to talk I about I can't even believe it. Uh, we're talking about revenge very shortly. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there. Um, so they acquired uh, a movie called The Witch in the Window. From the guy who made the very confused but sort of interesting Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, and We Go On. The film. You didn't see that, did you? The story, no. The story follows house flipper Simon and his 12-year-old son Finn who decide to bring an old, Engli- uh, old New England farmhouse back to life. But a previous owner who died there, a witch of a woman, a witch of a woman named witch Lydia, woman. doesn't seem to have really left. Kay. So, great to go Shudder. Yeah, that could be fine. Shutter also acquires something called Monstrum uh, from so- South Korea. Okay. Uh, directed the guy who directed Countdown, which I haven't seen. I have not seen Countdown. Uh, Monstrum is set during an epidemic outbreak when rumors spread about a dreadful man-eating creature. The film follows an unsung military official, his archery prodigy daughter, and a team of warriors that unite to fight the monster. $11 million budget movie. Blumhouse Tilt is releasing Unfriended 2 on July 20th. I've heard bad 2018. things. I've heard mixed things. I like the first one. Well, Betty Gabriel's in it, it, so I'll watch it. Yeah. And I really enjoy the first one. And it's about the dark web. It's called Dark Web. <laughs> Does it have like pictures of men standing in front of leaves? Oh, God. <laughs> it's about the Barry Weiss profile. Barry Weiss. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God. Unfriend 2, The Weiss Files. The Weiss Files. Uh, so, uh, Quit your job, Barry Weiss. You're not good. Screenwriter Kevin Williamson has a new uh, TV series coming to CBS All Access, which will also have, uh, what's it called? The Twilight Zone. Jordan, right. Jordan Peele's right, Twilight right, Zone. Yeah, sure. And has Star Trek Discovery. Uh-huh. Uh, this is called Tell Me a Story. The first season of the anthology. Like Anth- <laughs> you want to see a dead body? Oh God! <laughs> the first season of the anthology series, which takes the world's most beloved fairy tales and reimagines them as dark and twisted psychological thrillers, will interweave the Three Little Pigs, Little Red Riding Hood, and Jack and the Beanstalk into a subversive tale of love, loss, greed, revenge, and murder. Gotta and say, it sounds boring. It sounds weird, and it will star Billy Magnuson, who I think is great and was awesome in really? Game Night. 
and was oh, awesome God, in Ingrid Goes West. I don't know he's anything good else in he's good in. He was very bad in Birth of the Dragon, one of the worst films I've Did ever seen. Did not see that. Nobody no. should. It's very bad. Uh, this sounds weird, but good for CBS All yeah, Access. Sure, Getting some weird be, horror whatever, shit. Yeah, whatever. Uh, something called Infidel was just picked up by TriStar, horror a horror comic. comic from former DC Vertigo editor Parsnock Pixted Shots. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. I think you've just offended our Pakistani yeah. listeners. Oh, Jesus. Uh, my bad. Hold this on, hold on. Porn sock pishit shot. Great. Thank you. I'll edit mine out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> described as a haunted house story for the 21st century, the comic centers on an American Muslim woman and her multiracial neighbors who find themselves living in a building haunted by strange creatures that seemingly feed on xenophobia. This sounds great. The comic combines racial themes in the horror genre. Ugh, I hate that they said this. That a way that is similar to Get Out. <laughs> that's like what? That's a bloody oh, disgustingism. So Infidel sounds and looks like a great premise and is now bought by a movie company. So we'll see it eventually. And uh, if you listen to the show, you know that Joe and I basically are executive producers on the Purge TV series because mm-hmm. we, we made the idea and they just happened to do it also. Of course, of course, of course. Motherfuckers. It's so uh, that, plagiarism. Yeah, it has begun filming and it will premiere in fall. Wait a minute, they're doing a, they're doing a, they're a TV doing series. And the first and Purge? And the first Purge is a movie. Well, I gotta say, this is good news because I think the Purge idea is actually genius. We've said this a hundred times on the show that we think it's the amazing. idea is amazing and they keep botching it but it gets a little better each time. No, I agree with you. I think that I, I think Purge Anarchy is probably my favorite so far. Um, I liked second Election one? Years. Yeah, yeah, the second year. Because it was a little it was a little Jack Hill. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it was, very almost carpentry. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so the show, here's what James DeMonica, who's the creator, said about it. I'd say it's 70, 65% Purge Night and then 30% Flashback. We follow four what seem to be separate storylines of people going out on the evening experiencing the Purge. The real estate of the 10 hours of the TV allows us to use Flashback, where we flashback out of the Purge world into their regular lives. The non-Purge days of this future America. We get to see who these people are when it's not Purge Night and the events that led to them to where they are on the particular person that we are following. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sh- TV show allows us to truly analyze why anyone would resort to violence on Purge Night, so it's a slower burn than the movies, whereas the movies are kind of a punch of the face, you know, big events. I think the TV show, with the real estate of it, he keeps saying that, <laughs> allows us to truly analyze why anyone would pick up a gun or a knife to fight their pr- <laughs> to solve a problem. We really get to examine the night and I, the intricacies w- listen, of the evening I like and the James nuances of I the gonna, I like James DeMonico. I really do. I think he's hit upon an interesting idea. But I, he just needs to stop talking about this because yes. the more you try to the rationalize, real it, oh it. my god, stop it! It's just like we're really gonna get to the bottom of the violence while he shows like fucking dozens of people murdering each other with hatchets and machine guns. Like, yeah, yes. I get it. So a new production company called Queensbury Pictures has been formed. Um, uh, the producers behind such notable films as uh, We Are Still Here, Starry Eyes, and Buster's Mall Heart, all of which we like on this podcast. Uh, so Greg Newman of Dark Sky Films, Travis Stevens of Snowfort Pictures, and Giles Edwards of uh, Britain's Metrodome have joined forces to make Queensbury Pictures. One of their first movies will be a remake of Demon, that Polish movie from the last couple years ago or last year that oh was quite gosh, good. Gosh, that's the one that starts with the... the, the, the it's like a wedding and yeah, a Jewish, right. okay. very Jewy movie. Loved it. I'm Jewish. I can say that. It's fine. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, like, oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> oh, I so bolt. they're doing... <laughs> I wish they're you doing Demon, uh, something called Broadcast Signal Intrusion, a conspiracy thriller from Jacob Gentry, one of the guys who did The Signal. Oh, sure. Uh, the Girl in the Third Floor Window. 
described as a factually based horror film, marking uh, Travis Stevens' mm-hmm. writing and directing debut. Cool. A Slow Cooked Heart, a, ah. neo, a neo giallo, the digital detective series set at a remote elite culinary school from fucking Baskin creator. Yeah, Baskin's dude. nuts. Baskin's crazy. A uh, Red Cloud, a fright film, scripted and directed by Chris Severtson, who did The Lost and All Cheerleaders Die. All Cheerleaders, wait, All Cheerleaders Die or All Cheerleaders Must Die? I think it's Must Die. Well, this that's the Lucky mistake. McKee, right? Uh, maybe All Children's Die is something else I haven't seen. Yes, it's true. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that film. Lucky McKee is Oh, it my is guy. Lucky McKee. Yeah, I yeah. like him a lot. Well, okay. uh, it was a co-direction. It was Chris Edison and Lucky I don't know if I've seen this. It's very fun. Um, everybody was real down on it when it came out. I think they're wrong. Lucky McKee, if I you're like listening, I'm a big fan of you. I'm a fan, too. He's like probably not listening, but I hope he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and then Gas and Ammo, a long-form series written by Eric Bergquist and set in the extreme motorsports scene. Good for them. That's all cool. Uh, a remake of the 1980 horror movie The Changeling is in the works. Not the Clint Eastwood, no, Angelina the, Jolie. Uh, the George C. Scott, Peter the George Medak. George C. Scott, really cool Peter movie. Medak, very underrated a filmmaker. In this oh, for area. sure. Uh, so this is uh, the new film shifts the action from the U.S. to Venice, Italy. After the death of his young daughter, musician Joe Carmichael returns there to a childhood home in Italy, but he finds the house is haunted by the spirit of a dead child and begins to uncover a terrifying family secret. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. 1980. Yeah, Great movie. Good. Jordan Peele officially announced his new movie. It's called Us. It comes out March 15th, 2019. Very little is known. He tweeted the poster. It's uh, It just says a new nightmare from the mind of Academy Award winner Jordan new Peele. New. Uh, it is rumored to star Lupita Nyong'o and Elizabeth Moss, but we don't know. Well, I'm here for that. Peele is directing his own script, producing via his own mm-hmm. monkey power production company alongside Jason Blum. Jason, Blum. Jason Blum, I think, has very good taste. For he's the a genius. Most part, he's, he's a, a very, genius. very. I, 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 Even I if you don't think he's a genius, he's savvy as fuck. Well, no, no that's true. That's funny. Yeah. I, the, the more that I talk to young Jewish film writers, I think the more appreciation for him we find, which is interesting because I think that they see something of themselves in him. He's a very savvy guy. He's a Just the guy who like guy. might not be the one who wants to do something, but like he knows the guys who can do exactly. something. Exactly. I think yeah. that, honestly he's very relatable, and I like yeah. him a lot. Um, even though I don't love everything he's ever produced, but who I would the love fuck? to work for Blumhouse or something. Dude, me too. The hashtag, guy. Hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. Would love to work for Blumhouse. Ben Sachs of the Chicago Reader is one of the yes. world's biggest uh, Blumhouse fans. Yes. And I think he's onto something because honestly, I think that they have made such great content and they have a great model and they work so fast. Honestly, kind of like. Like Hammer. Yes. To loop Modern around. Hammer. Modern Hammer, baby. Bloomhouse. Uh, we have a, Bloom, a Bloomhouse episode, if you haven't listened to it, with Jason Gracio of Business Insider, who just had talked to Jason and gave us a bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, the guy who made Hereditary, which is the movie uh, uh, A24, is touting very hard that yes, everyone loves, that I have avoided the trailer for a hundred times now. By the way, I closed uh, my eyes. I closed my eyes. It, it plays so before everything I go everything. see. Everything. Yeah. So he already set up another horror movie at A24. The plot is being kept under wraps, though it follows a young woman who reluctantly joins her boyfriend on a summer trip where things quickly go awry. Sounds like my summer. (laughs) 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 All right, moving on. (laughs) Sorry, Mandy. I hope you're not listening this far. It's almost almost been two hours. Jesus Christ. Um, It's uh, Hulu. That's that's as good as ending a joke with, like, my wife's cooking. Am I right? (laughs) Little brother. Uh, So Hulu ordered 10 episodes of a show called Light as a Feather. Stiff as a board, I would imagine, is the other half. But it's just called Light as a Feather. That's 
that's a still image from the craft, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it is. It definitely yeah. is. Nev yes. Campbell, if you're listening, uh, we love you. <laughs> created by Lee Fleming Jr., Light as a Feather follows five teen girls as they deal with the supernatural fallout stemming from an intimate game of Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. Yeah. I was Hello, right. here we go. When the girls start dying off in the exact way that was predicted, the survivors must figure out why they're being targeted and whether the evil force hunting them down is one of their own. Well, they're being targeted, cool. obviously, because they're wearing the wrong kind of chapstick. <laughs> this is anything uh, to do with my experience with high school girls. <laughs> Hello. Amblin has a movie called The Turning. Uh, Mackenzie Davis is in it. Ah, I love her. In the film. Oh my God, hold on. It's directed by Floria Sigismondi, right? Yes. Yes! She's amazing. She did The Runaways? The Runaways is not a good movie, but that's not her fault. She did her she best. Did the, the, she did some Marilyn it's Manson a bad videos. bad script, but she's a great music video director. Yes, absolutely. And she directed for she directed for The White Stripes, to again go back. Mackenzie I Davis is terrific. Mackenzie Davis and Floria Sigismondi can only result in wonderful work from everybody involved. Please continue. Uh, Brooklyn Prince from Florida Project is also in this, as well as Finn Wolfhard, this fucking guy from uh, Stranger Things. Is he Turtle in, Face from Stranger Things? Yeah, I don't watch Stranger Things, so I don't know. Dude, it's terrible. You I'm, missed it. I watched. I tried to. Uh, in the film, a young woman hired as a nanny to two orphans is convinced that the country mansion they live in is haunted. Very standard. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's Turtle Face. And then something called number, number 37, 37, a Hitchcockian South African crime Do thriller. Do not call it Hitchcockian until just, I have seen it. Just because Bloody Disgusting calls it that, I'm assuming it's not that. Yeah. Um, it started out as a short film, gained steam, became a real feature. The plot is an homage uh, to Hitchcock's Rear Window. Kay. So it's, it's, it's Disturbia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. DJ Caruso's going to come beat the door down uh, to this I room. I love that DJ Caruso. He uh, made the Disappointments uh, Room, everybody. Uh, it centers on a miss. guy, a low-level criminal, recently crippled in an illicit drug deal gone wrong, lives. cooped up in his apartment <laughs> in a rough Cape Town neighborhood. He is heavily indebted to a loan shark named oh, Emmy with a clock ticking for him and his girlfriend Pam to get the money back. A gift of Panera... A gift of a pair of binoculars presents him with an opportunity to get his hands on the cash, but at great risk. That's all the fucking news we have. I'm not we even gonna did s- it. I'm not even gonna say what I watched because nothing a tour. You watched the terror. Sell me on AMC's, I believe. AMC's the terror. The terror. Because I haven't watched it yet. I know okay. it's all available online already is, to watch. It's, it's all out there, baby. You can I'm find afraid it right that it's going to get canceled because people like me no, who no, no, know well, would okay, love no, no, it no, are not going to watch it. Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of the terror. The terror is, it an anthology? is a self-contained story. Each episode or the whole or whole one season? Series. So season one, you can't do season two. It's I just like this. season one's over. They adapted a, a book by Dan Simmons. Dan Simmons? Dan Simmons. Um, uh, and they that's it. The whole season is the adaptation of Dan Simmons. What I don't know is what they'll do for season two. The, the the great thing about it is it doesn't really matter what they do for season two or if they have a season two because they have told one perfect story. All I know is I keep seeing tweets and it's like, this is from The Thing and this is from that. And it's all like very inspired by stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, yes me. and no. Tell me. There are echoes. And I, I'm a little biased because I love everybody involved in this thing. Okay. Uh, how would you pronounce that last name? Oh, Jesus. David Kajganich. 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 I don't know. The point is, I I I love this man to what pieces. What is he? What does he do? He is a writer producer. He's worked on a number of TV shows, but this and Sue Hugh, his fellow writer producer, this was their baby. Okay, they read this novel and they said we have to make this, and they did. And this is the best thing in their whole filmography. And but that's not a slight against everything else they've done. I'm just saying this is incredible, and it is a rare synergistic meeting of talent, okay? They have every great English actor in this thing. Uh, Kieran Hines, Jared Harris, Sebastian Armesto, who is one of my fucking personal faves from the movie Anonymous, which nobody else likes, but fuck yourselves. The Roland Emmerich vehicle? The Roland Emmerich movie Anonymous is great, and it stars handsome young Sebastian Armesto as Ben Johnson, the playwright. 
Okay. It also stars Ian Hart, a terrifically underrated English character actor. And, uh, I mean, this, this thing is stacked with talent. John Lynch from The Fall. The and Zodiac Killer? No, that's, that's John David, Carroll that's Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. No, John Lynch is the Irish actor uh, with the sad eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, from, uh, what is it, In the Name of the Father, the uh, the Jim Sheridan with Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, he's been around forever, and he's terrific. He's in The Secret Garden, directed by uh, the delightful Agnieszka Holland. Um, anyway, this series is, you know what it reminds me most of? And I just sent David an email about this. I said that it reminds me of the BBC Ghost Story for Christmas. Okay. In the Never 70s, a guy, um, I want to say it's like Mark Lawrence Gordon or something like that. Uh, I'm going to Google this now so I don't seem like a fucking okay. idiot. Um, there was a tradition at the BBC where they would release a scary movie based on the work of M.R. James um, for Christmas. They would run this every year. The first one, I believe, was The Stalls at Barchester. Lawrence Gordon Clark is his name. Anyway, they did this once a year for most of the 70s. A Warning to the Curious was one of them. They ended with The Signal Man, starring also George C. Scott, the star of The Changeling. And these were all spooky little TV movies, and they were fucking delightful. Um, okay. These are cult items from way back when. If you know them, you know them. If you don't, you really need to. Um and that is what the terror reminds me of, is one ghost story for Christmas after another. It is fantastically lived in. The detail is immaculate and beautiful. The creaking of the ship ever-present during each of these crises that the, the men on this boat go through is... It's, it, I mean, it, 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 the sound design is amazing. The, the, the through line is incredible. It is like Alien 3 in the Arctic. Um, it's insanely good it's beautifully well acted it's really well written it is full of silence and patience and creeping paranoia and fear of the unknown and and also occasional flashes of the utterly voluptuous just these gorgeous flashbacks into english society that these men are escaping from i i was looking forward to this for the better part of two years when i first heard that they announced this and jared harris was in it i was on board already i was on board jared harris and Sebastian Armesto and Kieran Hines, I was there. I was already in this film's corner. And then I started watching it. IFC for What the Fest showed the first three episodes in a theater. You're calling it a film. I'm calling it a film. They showed the first three episodes in a theater with no, like... It's a goddamn film. It's a movie. Cool. It feels like a movie, like, and, and, and it's self-contained. It's over after these ten episodes. It's over. They'll do something else. And they should. AMC would be fucking stupid not to hire these people back to do something I else. Can't, the second you leave here, I'm watching this. You have to fucking watch yeah. it. Honestly, it's delightfully creepy. There's, I mean, it's... it's, it's What's the premise? Man, okay, it's based on a true story. This is a real thing. Um, two boats, the Erebus and the Terror, were mapping the Northwest Passage. They were going north of England to try to find routes to the rest of the world, okay? And they got trapped because the conditions were shitty, obviously, because it's the fucking Arctic. And then the boats never came home. And everybody, you know, perished. That's just historical fact. Yes. So this, Dan Simons wrote this book, The Terror, about what he thought might have been a possibility. Just like speculative Speculative, fiction. exactly, exactly, historical fiction. And it is creepy and wonderful. I just bought this for my brother for Christmas. I, I, it's a terrific— So you recommend the book I recommend also. the book, but honestly, one or the other, or both, it doesn't matter. Expose yourself to the story. It's terrific. So what you see in, in The Terror is this just this— Gorgeous visual grammar, just this beautiful kaleidoscopic view of cramped 
kind of disgusting living on these ships where all food comes in potentially poisoned cans and the ship's captain has a fucking horrible drinking problem and needs to detox for a few days while his men are being murdered. Like, it's this thing, it's this beautiful thing. Do you, uh, do you see Last of the Mohicans, by the way? Oh my god, yes. Very recently for the first time, and okay. I loved it. You know the thing where they're constantly, like, they will form up in ranks and then shoot? Like, they need to be in a perfect yes. line before they can yes. get a shot off? That attitude is all over the terror, where there is a right way to do things, and it is Her Majesty's way of doing things. Sure. And that fucks them up constantly. These guys have this pride about what they're doing. They have this posterity-minded view of every step they take, where they're all doing it in the name of the British crown. And it is just remarkable. It, 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 they're not prepared for what they find, and what they find is more horrifying than what they eat, what they could possibly have expected, and in the meantime, you have these beautiful performances from men at the end of their tether. It's I just love it. Um, uh, help me out here. The gentleman who played Brutus in Rome. Jeez, um, oh, I can figure it out, but you keep talking. I'll find it. The guy who played Brutus in Rome. Uh, Brutus, 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 Brutus. What the hell is, is his Brutus name? It's uh, Tobias Menzies. Tobias Menzies. Yes, I'm sorry. He's the other uh, captain of the Erebus. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's just the, the, everybody's chemistry is terrific. Everybody's performances are amazing. I'm sorry for like 30 seconds of dead air. That's we okay. tried to come up with Tobias Menzies' name. I'll We're, cut it out. No one will even know what you're talking about. Christ. I probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's better. I think if we're just seen as dumb. Anyway, um, The Terror, I cannot recommend it enough. Jared Harris, national treasure, international treasure, born in uh, London, the son of Richard Harris. Um, and funnily enough, this is a movie that ultimately hinges, I believe, on the activity of bears, much like Richard Harris's best performance in the movie Man in the Wilderness, directed by Richard C. Serafian. And The Terror is a wonderful tribute to that, which I think is accidental. I don't think Jared Harris took this role knowing that it would be a tribute to Man in the Wilderness, but I do know that... He was a little put out at The Revenant, not really giving any fucking credit whatsoever to um, uh, Man in the Wilderness. And it's the same fucking story. It's the same story. It's a guy in the wilderness gets attacked by a bear. Some people leave him behind. They're on a boat. They don't come back for him. This movie that they're, sorry, The Terror does pay terrific homage to the filmmaking of the 70s because it's all about implication and silence and existentialism and who we are and what we mean uh, uh, in and out of society, it's 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 terrific, and I know that the cast screened Monty Hellman westerns before they started, which is perfect because this thing is as existentially dreadful as it is overtly horrifying. Okay, I I genuinely can't recommend this series enough. Okay, so big big thumbs up for the terror, which I believe they binge released it right, like they put all of it online. I believe or, they did, and yes. I think it's also airing on AMC. I'm not quite. However, sure. you have to find it. Find it. Okay. You will not regret it. It's amazingly detailed and descriptive and All wonderful. Right. And just for the record, so I can get on record that I saw these, I saw Amy Schumer's I Feel Pretty. How was it? It was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's one of those movies where like it has a nice message and like it wants to be feminist and like girl power, but it's also just like selling you a thing. And it's just like, this is very disingenuous. Yeah. Um, so it was okay. It, it, I, I wanted to laugh at it and I did. And it was fine. Rory Scovel's funny in it. Right. Uh, what else did I see? I saw Duck Butter. Oh, gosh. Miguel Arteta's new movie. I liked it. I it, liked that Elia Shawkat. I love She's incredible she's in it. It's best. her first time writing on something. Oh, and she, man. And she did a great job. That's amazing. Uh, Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass play themselves, which I thought was very funny. That's funny. Um, it's the Duck Butter's premise, I'll just mention because it's interesting. It's basically 
a girl, it's a lesbian relationship. A girl meets another girl, and they have a fun night, and they decide, hey, why don't we, like, spend the next 24 hours together having sex every hour on the hour, and we'll, like, do the full, like, a lifetime of a relationship in 24 hours. We'll get, like, we'll get everything done. That honestly sounds terrific. And it was a great premise, and I think it overstayed its welcome a little bit, okay. but uh, I was never, like, super not with it. I, I liked it overall. And don't ask me what duck butter means because it's gross. And I, had to, I the movie explains it to you, and I can't. I'm, it's really gross. Honestly, it's it's a, it's a bad title. It means vagina smegma. Ooh. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, which is funny because like it plays festivals and people have to like I say wish that you title. You hadn't told me that. Very, I know. I'm very sorry. Um, uh, I saw that, and I saw. Jesus Christ. Uh, I talked about The Rider already, which was amazing. That's the best. Uh, the oh my God. Amazing. I went and the saw. Amazing. I went and saw Cold Water at IFC. Oh, how was it? It's great. Yeah. This is nine. Ugh. This is nineteen ninety four. I want to say ninety four. I believe it's ninety four. Uh, Asayas. How did I pronounce his name? Yes. Uh, Olivier Ni- Asayas. Olivier Asayas, who I have loved. Uh, personal shopper is one of my favorites of last year. If that was last year, maybe two years ago now. I think. And it was then released Clouds last of Sils Maria yeah, is right. like twenty fourteen, probably twenty fifteen. Yes. Amazing movies. This is a movie he made for French television. That he, they let him make a feature-length version of anyway. <laughs> it was supposed to be 52 minutes, but it was like they got all these filmmakers to make films about youth and like the the, param- oh, sure. the parameters were like was make a film about youth that st- has a party scene in it, right? And like features pop music. Yeah. So the reason it never came out in America is because it had like CCR and Janis Joplin and like all these pop songs they couldn't get the rights to. So Janis Films, I guess, got the rights to them, and now it's coming out in America. So if you're a fan of art house French movies. It's really good. It's just a movie about adolescence and like two very troubled youths and finding each other. The trailer like, that Janice Films released is fucking amazing. It's great. The it was so jarring seeing it at IFC Center because like the sound. It was one of the world's really shoeboxy small theaters. Sure. And the sound for the pop music is like eighty times louder than what? the rest of it. Right. And it's like. Like, literally, I'm the guy who asked me with yours to turn shit up. I almost went and was like, can you fucking turn, turn it down? down? You're deafening people. That's amazing. Uh, but the movie was good. And then I saw Disobedience. How was it? Uh, very good. I yeah. like it a lot. It's a movie about, uh, I call it Rachel's Getting Married. <laughs> or I've also been known to call it. It's really funny because <laughs> a doc, this joke will make, I'm glad Scout got it. I hope any other listener gets it. But. There's a movie called the uh, about Rachel Dolezal called The Rachel Divide that's right. that was playing at yeah, IFC at the same right. time. That's Can you right. imagine buying a ticket for The Rachel Divide expecting disobedience? Anyway, Ugh. Rachel's Getting Married is about uh, Orthodox Judaism and uh, two women who have a forbidden relationship. And uh, it's just a very Lots small, of in contemplative film in which Rachel Weiss spits directly into Rachel McAdams' mouth. And if that's something you're like you'd be you're into, like wait, <laughs> probably your mouth probably wait for it to come <laughs> come to video so you don't get arrested in the movie theater. Oh my god, I am I'm genuinely curious about that scene, but I'm also just anytime anytime a director I was sure waiting for it tackles <laughs> lesbianism. I'm I'm always interested. No, to it was see what it comes very out. interesting. It's more about I would say Judaism than. Lesbianism. Well, no, of course. But it, but it does. Does Lelio strike you as somebody who has actually understood it? Like I, I've binged a bunch of uh, Sidney Lumet in the last month, and that was a guy who had a an intimate knowledge of of uh, Orthodox Judaism. Does it does it strike you as as I don't know, like like I think he n- knows more about Judaism than lesbianism. Well, fair. I guess he's a man. Yeah, he's a, um, a straight man. I didn't think their relationship was depicted in any way that was like 
wrong or jarring or off-putting. But it wasn't, like, groundbreaking. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting movie that stars, you know, two A-listers who get to make... They make out with each other a lot. That's most of their... If they're to get, if they're on screen together... Eh, actually, it's about an hour into the movie before they even, like... There is, like, a right, hint of a spark right, to their right, thing. Right, right. Um, it's more just about, like, uh, people's lives changing and, yeah. like, dealing with, like, uh, you know, choosing to choosing to stay in the orthodox world even though you know you don't love your husband mm-hmm. and like it was just like these tough choices people make it was it was a good movie i really liked it yeah um now let's get to the main event which is revenge revenge a for i would I, is this would you call this a part of the french new extremity i kind of want it to feels like an you know what it is you know what it it's feels a french like? horror film it's like the french new extremity was infiltrated by australia yes it's directed by uh debut filmmaker Coralie Fargiat, Fargiat, or however you say that. She Coralie made a Fargiat. bunch of shorts. Um, very stylish. Um, it looks like a fucking music video. It really does, and the sound design is the most impressive thing about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I also thought it looked really nice. I thought it was gorgeous. It is. But it's one of those movies where... I almost wanted more. I wanted them to go full Tony Scott. Full Tony Scott? Yeah. Deja vu. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, they, they hint at the the sort of color palette that they're going for, which is the, the extreme oranges and blues and whatnot. I just wanted them with to go like pinks thrown in, yeah, like that's the right. neon pinks. I I really wanted them to go the extra step, but I think the French can't quite bring themselves to go there, which is interesting because they never go full these Scott. Aesthetics. They never go full Tony Scott. They say. Yeah, you see, we we saw how that ends. Hello. <laughs> A little brutal. Look out here. God, we I go. love Tony Scott. Too I'm so soon. sad. Too soon. Um, very very sad. Too soon. <laughs> First of all, Ridley Scott. So old. Agreed. He's like 83. He's very old, and he's still doing better work I mean, maybe than just a 80. lot of people. I mean, I thought Covenant was amazing. I love that film. I love it. I, Alien Covenant is great. If you I don't just like watched it, it again. Wrong. I just watched it again recently. All like, the money this guy was 80? You kidding me? All the money in the world is half of a great I film. thought it was almost good, too. I agree. Yeah. Almost great. Yeah. Uh, kind of like Revenge. Revenge, premise... It's a rape revenge movie. It is a very crude one. A very this is the problem I have ultimately. This is a movie. Are you a rape revenge? I'm gonna say it's hard to say you're a fan. Do you like Spit on Your Grave? Do you appreciate it? Do you? I okay. Here's the thing. I have seen all of these movies. Okay, so like yeah. I made a point in in when I've discovered like the the last death. house on the left is a rape revenge. There you movie. go. Exactly. I watched all of them. I watched Thriller and Grim Film. I watched Kill Bill. I watched Last House. I watched I Spit on Your Grave. I watched Miss Forty Five. I yeah. watched. I watched all of them. I watched every one of these fucking things that was available because I wanted to know, ultimately. It's the same reason I watched... some Clover. (laughs) Absolutely. I watched all of the cannibal movies. I watched all of the Italian concentration camp porno movies. I'm not proud of this. I watched them because I wanted to know what film was capable of. I wanted to know what you could possibly say and how disgusting you could be using film as your medium. And it turns out very disgusting, but only a few films genuinely seemed to understand what it was they were dealing with. What, What... themes they were playing with, what actual trauma looked like. I Spit on Your Grave ought to be better known than it is. Um, Carrie Rickey talks about Snuff, a movie that made her a feminist, because it was so debauched and disgusting. It was a film that had pretenses towards shocking people, but itself was a completely wretched article. It was a recut Michael Finley movie, which he just wanted to make fucking biker movies. He made Shriek of the Mutilated, which is a great title, but a very boring movie about a yeti. Okay, there was a tradition that all these things came from. The rape revenge genre is not, it was never anything that should have been genre-fied. It shouldn't have been codified. It shouldn't have been anything. Go read Roger Ebert's review of I Spend Your Grave, by the way. Anybody. Yes, it's he very, fucking hated hates it. it. He hated everyone who even saw it and wasn't appalled like him. <laughs> he really thought it, of it as the end of Western civilization. In many ways, he was right. It was a symptom of that. But Mir Zarki was making a film 
of extreme power, which had a very specific point of view, which was, this is what humans are capable of, and this is no less than they deserve. Anybody who was going to see this, Roger Ebert talks about the people in the audience kind of hooting and hollering at this and like like finding the actions of the rapists sympathetic, um, which I think speaks way more to the American audience than it does Mirzarki, the director of the movie. I really don't think that that movie was directed with malicious intent. I, sure. I think that that was a movie that was designed to show you the boundless cruelty of the masculine establishment. I think it was, a, in many ways, an answer to deliverance, which oh, is, sure. here's what men do to men, as opposed to, here's what men do to women. And this happens every fucking day. Um, I think that movie is way more profound than it gets credit for, and um, I don't like necessarily recommend you watch it, because it's very tough. But it's very tough on purpose, because we need these films to show us just what happens when you are this disgusting that you don't view women as human. And this happens all the time. I think that it's a film they should show you in prison, to be honest with you. Like, I think if you're a juvenile delinquent... Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> oh, brother. Hello. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I think that it's a film of, 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 I mean, abject masculine authority and the true horror of of letting men decide everything, and I, I I'm think trying to pull up Carol Clover quotes from that, and I believe in Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which everyone should read great, if you're interested in horror great film. Book, great book. In any way of a at terrific all. book. Uh, she said one of the most disturbing things about I Spend Your Grave is that it's almost perverse simplicity. Yes. And that she wanted to dissect the film as an examination of sexual violence as a means of affirming masculinity and a male pecking order. Yes, and this is the thing. This is literally it's a movie where a woman shows up to town and gets like literally all she has time to do is get gas in her car. And that's enough to invite four men to her house to think they can rape her or have sex with her if she's up for it. I didn't even realize how revenge is so – it's pretty si similarly structured. Yes, it is. Just on your grave. It's, it's honestly – and yeah. that's the thing. Uh, th th if, if I have qualms with revenge, it's that it doesn't – Do enough originally. It doesn't do en enough originally. And it doesn't ultimately make a as big a meal of her humanity as it ought to. It's I, I was too saying stylized this, for its own good. I was saying this as we as you walked in. I believe it was BuzzFeed's Allison Wilmore yes. who tweeted after this movie, after watching Revenge, like you know, I was I want to talk about the academicness of like you know right. her penetrating a wound of the guy who raped her as being like mm, like a reverse of rape, huh? Which like every time I wanted to get academic about it, this movie like drowned it in blood. Exactly, and it's like it's very trashy. It's incredibly trashy. And that there are I more shots of the girl in underwear. Well, yes. Then the first half of the movie, or the first, before the revenge t kicks in, right. pre-revenge, is her, literally, it's just like Lolita-esque shots yes. of her. In her underwear, her There's ass never a shot out. with her not in her underwear. It's true. And it's like, she you can say, yes, it's the, the male gaze of the opening. Which is precisely the point, but I think that there's a difference between showing... Showing what men think and having your cake and eating it too. I really do think that this movie could have gotten away with showing a lot less than it did. But again, this is the problem is that I'm a man talking about – I know. Once I called you to do this, I was like, I should get a lady to do this. Well, no, it's true. And honestly, <laughs> if you want to have another one in here to completely combat all of my assertions, I would be perfectly fine with that because I think that this, this kind of work deserves this where yes. – how, how do you determine the line that women as directors are not supposed to cross? Where in the same time, the movie seems to be making a point that the 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 look of her, 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 she she was asking for it. No, 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 not even what that. Honestly, the thing about it, which is interesting, is that they objectify her as the hero. 
She's got her fucking her beer can tattoo Dude, and American her bra. Exactly. Yeah. The bra and the underwear. Because the thing is, she's still sexualized while she's doling out revenge. And that was the point where I was like... She becomes like Lara Crofty. Like, yes. With like a, like a Very cut, true. Like a and she's carrying and a shotgun that is clearly too big for her body. And Every like, time she shoots a gun, she like recoils really bad. Which is yeah. realistic, and I love that. But yeah. it, 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 it felt weird to me that you can't have a movie where a woman takes revenge on men without also meeting men in the middle, wherein here's a woman in her underwear, and this is why the men did the thing to her. Like, honestly, there's almost no justification for the rape. The rape just happened. Let's, let's explain what happened. So the movie opens. Uh, this woman is at like a vacation home it looks like. Right, her boyfriend is rich. Her boyfriend's rich. They literally helicopter in yeah. to there. It's like Spain or something it's or some, I don't remember where. I don't know. But it's it's but quickly it's French re- men and an Italian woman. It's very it's it's clear that he has a wife and a family and this is his like mistress. They're just on like a weekend whatever. Right. And uh all of a sudden, while she's walking around in her panties in this house that she thinks she's alone in, she sees, like, a guy outside with a sniper rifle and another guy. And then they come in, and it turns out, like, they're this dude's hunting buddies. Right. And they arrived a little early. Yeah. And uh, they actually, you know, the, the beginning of it, they have a great time. They have a, they drink. They have fun. They have, like, a full kind of Wolf Creek party night. Full party night, uh, ending with the woman. Giving the one guy like, giving a lap wo- dance. Giving one of the hunter guys a lap dance, which, you know, just innocent, nice, drunk fun that he takes way too fucking literally yes. and like the next day uh the hut the, the the boyfriend of her is like not around and the other guy's not around sleeping or he's hung over right. and this guy starts talking to her as if he's like you know as if she wants to fuck him as if the lap dance said to him you definitely want to have sex the with lap me. dance meant so to he's him just following you're, you're up to me yeah he's following up on an implicit request for sex right and then he, she says no in as many ways as you can say no Politely, like no, and politely at first, times, yeah. and then just plain no. He starts raping her. The other guy walks in. The, the other hunter walks in, and he says, if you want to join me, come in. If you don't, close the door. And so he... I, I thought this part was really interesting. He It was he, definitely... You, there's a moment where you don't know what he's going to do. That's correct, yes. And you're like, is he going to rape this girl? Is he going to be like, hey, bro, what the fuck? Exactly. And then he does the... Probably the worst option, maybe. Well, I guess not the worst option. Bad option. Leaves the room, closes the door, and turns on the TV Music very loud. or something. Exactly. Yeah, the yes, TV, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, racing yeah, is on yeah, TV. That's right. And uh, I, I think it's an interesting point because, like, it shows the complicity of all three men in different ways. So, basically, then – Right. It's a smarter film than it looks on its, it's face. That's but So, on its face, this movie – Okay, so the, re- yeah. <laughs> we'll get the rest of the movie, basically, she gets raped – the guy comes back, learns what happened, is of course appalled, but his solution mm, to it is, no appalled is a strong word. Right. He's upset that it happened. He's because a, now he has now bem- he has to bemused. Yeah. He he's has to put out. He basically throws money in her face and a plane ticket and says, like, hey, here's a bunch of money and a here's job. Here's a plane ticket and a job. You don't have to worry about anything. Just go Let's home. Let's just go home. And then she's like, fuck off, take me home, yeah. not to wherever you're gonna take me. Yeah, exactly. And then it becomes like a she she runs away from them and they push her off a cliff. Yeah, she runs away to the point where she's like hanging off a cliff and they make like a concession. He's like, "Hey, listen. Don't don't do anything crazy. I'm going to call the helicopter, which he clearly fakes on the phone. Absolutely. He calls is. the helicopter to come take her back. And then yeah, when you think he, she's safe, he pushes her off and she falls all the way to the bottom of a cliff, but she gets impaled by a tree branch and is like fully like impaled through her stomach. Right. Like very talk about like uh, uh, what do you call it? Phallic, uh, yes, phallic symbols. Much. Yes, of course. She has a fucking 
big old branch hanging out of her. Yeah. And I think the interesting part is like any other fall she would have died. Right. But she falls because she falls on the because on she gets impaled. Object. She like doesn't like fall to the ground right. hard. I mean, it's nonsense. It's utter. It's nonsense. crazy. It never. It, it's like Looney Tunes. Yes. Well, it's the Looney thing is, the problem I have with it is, that it has this very cinematic view of symbols. And, and uh, dream imagery as well. There's a scene where she's having a dream. They set up the peyote early. I hated <laughs> all that because yeah. she has this moment where she sees the bloated face of one of the guys, but she can't have seen that. You know what I mean? What do you mean? So like, okay, she stabs one guy. Okay, spoiler territory spoiler, here. Sorry. I'll put spoiler tags on the episode. It's okay. She she stabs the one guy and he falls in the water and then we don't see him until he rises from the thing. So she sees what she, she sees would not have known. Something I she see. can't see. I see. I see. And I, see. I just think that this movie that is, fucking bloated face is gross. Though. I agree, it's and I think it's well gross. done, and I get why you do it. I the just stab think to is, the eye. This movie is way too much about other movies than it's about what it's about. That's my problem is that so much of the French genre cinema is so about other movies that came before and told the exact same story. Case in point, last year's remake of Rabid Dogs, the Mario Bava. Um, some French filmmakers uh, uh, and starring Lambert Wilson did a, um, a remake of Mario Bava's Rabid Dogs. And I actually think they did a great job with it. I think it's very stylish. I think it's very watchable. But there's almost no reason to remake Rabbit Dogs. The whole point of Rabbit Dogs is that it's 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 rough and it's raw and weird and gross. Yeah. Um, but I think that that film ultimately is more at peace with itself than Revenge is, which wants to have a point of view about the you know sort of feminization of genre films, but it can't get away from male language, which is to say she takes revenge in a bra and her underwear, and her ass is never not hanging out. And I do not begrudge any woman looking exactly the way she wants to. What concerns me is that the film thinks it has to put its heroine in her underwear for men to be interested in watching her get revenge on the men who raped her. That yeah. strikes me as dodgy territory, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, I'm reading this review here. This is from Alex Brandon for Film International. Um, where was I just reading? I, I wanted to read exactly what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh the first act of the film, leading up to the exciting incident, presents Jen through the full force of the male gaze. The camera is predominantly placed below her waist as she walks around the stylish, symmetrical flat in her underwear. This high-class estate is isolated in the middle of the desert, a location the three men occasionally escape to for game hunting. It is also in this desert where the men and later the women uh, stalk and hunt human prey. Once the tables in this Canellian game are turned, Jen strips most o- off most of her clothes to tend to her near-mortal wounds. From here... The director returns to the male, the male gaze to Jen, although now the male characters in the film view Jen much differently. The character's sexuality remains depicted at the fore, but that which the men once droolingly coveted is now an object of primitive fear. Do you – what do you think about that? Do you see, like – I see what she was going for. Right. I feel like, like you take the, and it does the have underwear shots and, like, turning against them, There's, a, there's a certain power, I think, specifically when they reveal the sort of, like, accidental tattoo and the synth music is rising. I think there is a sort of a primal power to that stuff based on what we know about film and what music can do to us and what the image means and that she's survived. The issue I have is that – if you're, I mean, it just it, it's a matter of reality meshing with cinematic fantasy. If you're a woman in the desert who's just been nearly murdered, is not your first instinct to completely, like, to, to shroud yourself, to cover yourself, so that, I don't, I don't know, just to protect yourself from what you've been through. I feel like 
the underwear stuff is used as a sort of point of pride, which I get from a grindhouse perspective, from like a run Chrissy run kind of We're thing. Like, hey, this is still a very trashy movie. Exactly, to watch it. Yeah. and I just wanted them to pick an identity. You can be the trash film with the woman in her underwear. You can be the feminist film with the woman in her underwear. I think this thing was caught between poles. I do agree. It is a movie that is caught between stuff. Like I, I I'm gonna say I liked it more than you did. I think. Sure. I enjoyed it. That's fair. I think it's a good. If you're into the rape revenge genre, like if you come here looking for a girl getting revenge on the people who fucked her up, you're gonna get it. Like that's a fact. The deaths, like the gore is. We haven't even talked about the gore. The gore is insane. The, the thing that it's disgusting. The thing that fucked me up the most is just the night, the glass in the foot. Like, yeah, the glass in the foot. Uh, we both sound like John Lovett right now. It's ridiculous. He digs into his own foot for a shard of glass. Yeah, Sorry, he anyway. does. He does for a long time. It's, it, it takes it lingers. forever. I was in this in this screening room right here, watching it by myself, and no one was here. And I was like loudly being like, "Oh my god! Like, yeah. stop it! Yeah. What are you doing?" Well, <laughs> that's the, the thing that I yeah. think is it honestly bothers me more than any of the film's subtextual issues is the fact that they don't get quite get human skin right. You can't just <laughs> from a filmmaking point of dig view. into your own foot. That oh way. well, the part where she's like cutting out the branch and like yeah. it shows her cutting her because she's on peyote. Right. The whole reason she takes peyote is, is because the way it's set up is like you can you can get over pain. Really. Yeah. He's like, oh, this guy took peyote and then sawed off his own leg. Never this felt a thing. This film plays fast and loose with drugs. Yeah, <laughs> it's not actually what would happen. And that's the uh, that's the thing. Is that like I don't know. I just I, I I think my my issue is is I don't know why you make this movie. I don't know what you think you have to say yeah. about this subject and these cinematic tropes that you think that you can get away with like a complete reversal because this isn't a complete reversal. No, this it's like not, it's just a. It is another a, movie in the genre, not subverting the genre. Correct. It is a rape revenge movie. It just happens to be directed by a lady. That yes. is literally the only difference because it is exactly as leery and laddish as you would expect a man making a movie on this subject to be. And that ultimately is my problem is that, like, how empowering am I supposed to find this if you guys make the exact same fucking moves that a guy would make? That ultimately is my problem. I liked. I liked. What I really liked about the three, the fact that there's like three men and they each have a different level of like culpability here. Yeah. It's like there's the one who's the rapist. True. There's the one who. The knowing, enabler. The enabler, the one who knowingly turned a blind eye. And then the one whose solution to the problem is react with anger, victim blame, and yes. just try to. And to uh, buy her silence. Buy her silence. No, I think that that stuff, I think the writing is more intelligent, yeah. perhaps, than you would have gotten if a, if, if some dude in Wilkes-Barre had <laughs> decided to make this movie. Yeah. I grant that that's true. I just wish that the direction had been a little smarter about the inversions, because it really doesn't strike me as a movie that transpires with any more intelligence, sure. w- rather than having been written with more intelligence. I just think those, uh, this writer mentioned it too, that like, those three different types of masculine figures, they all represent a different reality of, like, sexual violence. True. And, like, these are all people that women who've been uh, in situations like this have had to deal with. Yes. And, like, I think... You know what? One thing I was looking for symbols everywhere in this movie. They kept showing that apple, mm. and I kept thinking, "Is, is are they saying one bad apple exactly. spoils the?" But right. like, they're all bad apples, though. Well, that's the thing. Is that's where that, I was or like, or it's the Garden of Eden thing, which doesn't really work either, because yeah. in order for that to be a Garden of Eden metaphor, they both have to have entered into it for the right reasons, and that's just not true. He knows he's a piece of shit. I guess it could be the one bad apple thing, guy. but it's like it doesn't go that far. It doesn't then. really work. The film doesn't have a coherent metaphorical structure. Um, which again is not the end of the world it's just I don't Basically, listen, if you're watching this movie and you're looking for symbols and you're looking for... You're not going to find it. What does this movie mean and what is the message? Well, the it wants to... It, I think it wants to have those things, but yes. it, it, it's saying things that... 
that have been said before. It's incredibly simple. It's, sure. it's so easy. I mean, everything but, that it's saying is just it, you've heard it before and smarter, but it's just in the context of a stylish post-Tarantino rape revenge thing. Yes, but if you're looking for a movie that you can watch that you're just like, I want to watch a woman just fuck dudes up for a while that deserve it. Um, I think the movie – that's I feel like a, it's longer than I thought it needed to be. Yeah, it's about Sorry. a 60-40 as far as the satisfaction of watching rapists get murdered. Yeah. Because she goes through so much to she get. She goes through a lot. And honestly, their deaths are not that satisfying. Um, Sure. I, maybe not, but they're definitely bloody as fuck. Agreed. Like, there's this a, is one of those things. There's like, a stab to the eye. Yes. There's a car crash where he gets like, yeah, shot. That's right. And then... This oh my movie, god! The the maze, the end where they're like running through the maze, maze of the house very repeatedly. Very grueling. Very grueling. That was really interesting. The thing I think I I wish I and I wish this of most movies. Movies don't know what shotguns do, and they decide on a whim. Like they fly back and exactly, shit. Yeah. or if they're, like it's a single bullet or a bunch of like spray from buckshot. I just wish that these people had like talked to ballistics people to figure out what it is that the weapons they had decided on do. Um, yeah. That's a very specific complaint. Let's say, yeah, it's hard to watch movies with filmmakers. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. It's yeah, it's um, I'm I'm a complete fucking dork about the science of things, so stuff like that bothers me. I think more than it does other people. The only thing I learned from my trauma trauma episode with Lloyd Kaufman, yeah. is that if you want to make cum in a movie, use Cetaphil. Cetaphil, which is like a face cleaning thing, looks like cum. Interesting. Yeah, if you ever need cum. Cetaphil. I use what did I use to make? It? <laughs> You're like I've made a movie and I've used I cum. Did, no, no, it's true. I did. I, I've made several movies ultimately that needed it. I that needs cum. Hydrogen something or other. Maybe it was Cetaphil. Um, it was a gel. It was like a gel. Yeah, substance. it's like there's also like and you mix Walgreens it with almond milk. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, sorry. This is getting too much. So, uh, my movie House of Little Deaths will be on Amazon Prime before too long. So look for that. Is that, that. true? Yeah, that's true. Cool. It was bought by DMR guys. Uh, look for that. Cool. Very proud. Very proud. Any other final thoughts on this movie? Um, fine. It will probably won't make my end of the year list. Um, like Winchester will. Um, okay. I just I don't know. French Grindhouse has this problem where it's like almost too cool for its own good. Um, and in this case, I think the the kind of coolness gets in the way a little bit of its supposed sympathy for the heroine. I I just I don't know. I wanted a little more signal from the filmmakers that I was watching one kind of film or another. I see. Um, Fair enough. Which is not to say it's not well made. I mean, the director clearly has talent. I'm very excited for whatever she does next. Oh, same. I mean, completely same. It's a great first this film. This is a terrific... Or in terms of a first film, yes. it makes me more excited for Super for talented. Yes. Super talented director. Coralie Wickedly Farnett. talented. Wickedly talented at Delta Zim. Um, very excited for what she does next, Coralie Farnett. Yeah, Far so you Far thought Jad. it was fine. I thought it was... I, I good. think it needed like another rewrite or something. Sure. Or I think it needed like a slightly more. I think somebody needed to watch this. I think you needed to show this to like, I mean, rest in peace, Claude Chabrol, and have them say like, or you know, even like rest in peace, Chantal Ackerman. Like I just, I think somebody needed to step in and say what you're dealing with here deserves more than the totally superficial gloss you're giving these issues. This is a film of surfaces. Is, is there something there? Like she clearly did this on purpose. Well, there could be. That's the problem. Is that like, it, like I understand. I don't know. I think that this hints at a direction where you're taking male, um, you're taking the male gaze. And trying to make it an empowering tool, I just don't think the film does enough with that idea. And I say this, of course, 
as a white man living in New York City. I know. I'm so, uh, I hate there were just two white guys talking about lady movies. Two white bros oh, talking Jesus. about the intentions of female directors. So feel free, as always, oh, to please. completely ignore what I'm saying and to get somebody in here to correct me. I would listen in a heartbeat <laughs> to that no, episode. We'll just... But you understand what I'm saying is that yes. there were, I had questions that were not sufficiently answered by the mere direction or mere fact of this movie. Yeah. Yes. And as a... I just want to watch a bloody horror movie. I think it'll tick those boxes for you if you're not too critical about it. I think so. I mean, the final... It's like it's like French sexy Wolf Creek. Yeah. 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 It's fine. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's it's just... It is what it is. It's something... Spe- like, I just... I, agree, I kept I seeing agree. so much it's praise for it. I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I thought it would be. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's neither fish nor fowl. It's sort of in the middle. It's fine. It's and fine. I think fans it's of this podcast fine. will enjoy it. I agree. So I'm going to give it the, the new flesh seal of approval. I, I have no problem with that because I do think it's fine. I'm in a weird place right now. New movies just don't seem to be doing it for me. I don't know what the fuck I want from movies well, right now, but yeah. I'm very disillusioned. And this film didn't really pull me out of my stupor, um, which is not the film's fault. I think I'm so going back through to something. The 50s and 60s. Yeah, I got to go back and watch something. I'm I a new know. Hollywood guy. I'm a late uh, 60s. Tell me about early it. I mean, that's 70s. when things really get real. Yeah. That's my shit. Anyway. All right, we need to stop this. Agree. This is probably maybe one of the longest ones. I'm excited to have been here for the longest episode of the New Fresh Podcast. We just podcast. talked a lot, and we have a lot to say. You had a lot to say about Hammer. I, I love did. having you on because you just know a lot of stuff that I just don't. I tried to be um, smart. I don't know that I smart. always succeed. You make me want to read more. Thank God. And That's watch more movies. Yes. All right, so uh, how do what what do you want to plug? How do people follow oh, you? Oh, man. All right, find me at Patreon, patreon.com slash honorzombie. If you guys are interested, I'm doing a Patreon-only series on music videos because nobody wants to buy it so um in the next couple of days i'm going to do one on this is america i've already done the chemical brothers left forever be one of my favorite music videos of all time you can find me on twitter at at honors underscore zombie um i'm on rogerebert.com today is my five-year anniversary go me um (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah and and you can find me on vimeo on demand i have a bunch of movies there em is on demand just watch that i would love to hear from you if you if you see that House of Little Deaths will be on Canopy and Amazon Prime before too long. I don't have a date on that or I'd give it to you. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I'm, I'm around if you want to talk movies He's with He's around. He's a great Twitter user at honors underscore zombie. zombie. I am accessible. Honors underscore zombie. I am at Brett Redacted. And I'll be back next week with Joe Avella. And we'll be talking about some shit. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? This is fun. Thank, Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me, Brett. Bye. <laughs> I've learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Long with the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.